KFI AM 640. Bill Handel on a Saturday morning, every Saturday from 6 a.m. to 11. Obviously, Monday through Friday, it's uh, the morning show with the whole crowd. And on Saturday, it's just me giving you marginal legal advice, which I've been doing now. Oh, it's too depressing to tell you I've been doing this for a while. A long time. Too long a time. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Now, I don't know if you've heard of a a, a nonprofit called the National Policy Institute. And this uh, is run by a guy by the name Richard Spencer, who is a white nationalist. The guy's a racist, basically. And he has this nonprofit. And nonprofits are not that hard to get. You fill out the proper paperwork uh, explaining what the nonprofit is for, and you can be very general about it. And you can also file not only for a nonprofit. I'm talking about a 501c3 nonprofit in which money can be donated and is tax deductible. It's obviously a lot easier to raise money when it's tax deductible. And it's pretty hard to have one taken away, no matter how obnoxious and how ruinous it is to people. And this is brutally racist. So they yanked it. The government yanked it. Now, were they able to rank uh, yank the nonprofit status based on the premise of the white nationalists that blacks are no good, that Jews are inferior, that Hispanics shouldn't be here? that the only people that should be in America are Aryan white folks who actually aren't very bright if you're part of this organization, well, the government can't yank that. However, uh, since Richard Spencer is not particularly bright, what ended up happening, the government was able to suspend it. Why? Because he didn't file tax returns with the feds. You have to file tax returns. And if you don't, you can have uh, you can have your license. That was my phone ringing. Uh, let me see. Do I want to take it or not? No, I'll wait. If you don't, uh, you can have your license taken away, your nonprofit status. That's exactly what happened. Also, there was an issue of flouting federal rule, rules that forbid nonprofits from supporting or opposing political candidates. Uh, that's a, a little more difficult to establish, to prove, and there's some leeway there. There sure as hell isn't leeway when it comes to filing or not filing the tax return. Now, what is his defense to this? Well, I really didn't know I was supposed to file uh, a tax return. And so I'm kind of ignorant. Well, no kidding, you're ignorant. There was a National Policy Institute event. Uh, It was a conference in Washington, D.C., where Spencer told the crowd, and this was uh, relative to uh, the election of Donald Trump, hail Trump, hail our people, hail victory, and then he threw up a Nazi salute and he got it back from the crowd. Yeah, this is one where the, the Trump administration does not particularly want to connect with. Uh, and, they, and, of course, they have uh, distanced themselves just because crazy people uh, support Donald Trump. Does not mean Donald Trump wants crazy people to support him, not on this one. So uh, here's the bottom line, and here's the takeaway. File your damn tax returns, especially when you're on the radar. You think 
that the IRS wasn't looking at these guys and trying to figure out a way to uh, yank the status? All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Frank, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, I, I was wondering, I'm filling out a, um, making out a living trust, and what's the procedures after I finish it? What, I have to record it or uh, give copies to whom? Uh, well, and you want to know what to do next. The easiest thing to do is just die, uh, and then you're fine. Then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, what you do is uh, you have a living trust. You fill it out. Uh, you have to do a couple of things. Number one, you have to notarize it. Mm-hmm. Okay, who is that screaming in the background? Uh, nobody. I'm hearing something in the background. What is it, Frank? It might be a distant... Uh, uh... It's far away from me. Can you hear it now? Yeah, I can hear it. Just tell that distance whatever to shut up. It's getting in the way of the phone call. I see. Okay. All right, Frank. So here's what you do with a living trust. Uh, A couple things. First of all, it has to be notarized. Okay. Second of all, you have to transfer whatever assets that you want to trust to control into the trust. Okay. No, I mean the trust. Yeah, the trust has to own stuff. So, right. for example, let's say you have a checking account that you went in the trust. Uh, Marjorie and I, my wife and I, have uh, checking accounts, and the trust actually owns them. And that's the name of uh, the account is mm-hmm. uh, the handle trust, and so they own it. And the property that I have, our houses are in our trust. We don't own the houses. What the trust owns the houses. Now, for all intents and purposes, of course, we own the the uh, we own the houses, but. It's the the trustee that's going to sell the houses. The trustee is going to complain is going to control. So that's what you do: living trust, notarize, transfer the assets you want in the trust, and they have to physically be transferred in the trust. For example, a house, you have to do a, a, a deed. You literally well, have, you have to, to do, do a deed. Yeah, you have to transfer from Frank and his wife into the Frank and his wife living trust. Uh, Otherwise, you have to record it with the uh, yeah on a piece. Yeah, on a piece of property, you do Frank. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you hand the trust out to the trustee, maybe a couple of other people to make sure that the trust is in place. You don't file it with the court. And then the next thing you do is die. And that's it. <laughs> that, it's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. What about, uh, so you, you don't have to record the trust? No, the no, you don't re- no, you don't record, no, you don't record a yeah. trust. No, okay, absolutely please, not. Please, How much money? What do you, Frank, well, first of all, who are, who are the beneficiaries? Who, who are you leaving the, leaving the money to? Well, my my nephews and sisters. Okay, and how? What are we talking about? What kind of assets do you have? Yeah, it's the cost of the house, whatever the house will sell for. Okay, then you if if you can transfer the house into the trust, and then the trustee, whoever it is, simply sells the house and distributes the money to the exactly. Yeah, or you can do it in a will too. You can will uh, the property, but then you have to open a probate, and it gets a little more complicated, and it costs you money, a lot more money. How much is right. the how much is the house worth, Frank? Oh, I have half a mil. Half a million. That's how much equity you have in there. About half a million. Yeah. About, yeah okay. About All right. Well, it's okay. Fair enough. Go ahead and just uh, do what I told you to do. People think that you have to actually record a trust. Now you don't record trust. This is handle on the law. Not a yes sir. Not a follow up. Fit the box. Fit the mold. Have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. 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 Thunder.
Talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Hey, Margaret, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Yes, ma'am. I have a real estate question. I was wondering if you are an escrow um, and you decide you don't want to sell your house, what happens as the seller? Okay, uh, so the... The, the sale has been signed. You're talking about just not closing the property. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Well, uh, it depends on how it is written. Uh, number one, is there a deposit that goes hard, which means uh, liquidated damages, means uh, the uh, the buyer uh, just uh, is paid a certain sum of money. Okay. You're talking about the seller not closing, right? Exactly. Okay. Then there's something called specific performance which uh, the buyer can actually force the sale of the house to the buyer. That takes a, unfortunately, that takes a lawyer. However, the seller will pay for all of it. Okay. That's, That's a lot the, of money. So okay. it's, uh, well, yeah, it's going to be a lot of money for the lawyer. There's no question. It. it gets expensive if you don't close. Is this you that's not going to close the property? Um, yes, I was just curious what would happen. I, well, I going back and forth. Well, what usually happens, I mean, in reality, is people just walk away and the house falls out. Okay. Uh, but if they if they really want the house, Margaret, or they have a great deal going on, uh, they can have a lawyer send you a letter saying, "Dear Margaret, you don't go forward with this. You've bought yourself a lawsuit for specific performance, and the court will make you sell the house." And guess what? We're sending you the attorney's uh, fees. Got it. The bill. Okay. All right. So that's it. That's how it works. Yeah. Now, if it's the other way around, when sellers, that's where I got a little confused. I didn't know where she was. When buyers bail out, then you're talking about a deposit that may be forfeited. That's usually the case. If you've ever heard of the term that the uh, when you enter into a contract, this is usually among developers or uh, it's big sales where you have to go hard, you have to put the money in, and then it usually becomes liquidated damages. You don't close, uh, money is gone. Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Yes, sir. Yes, what can I do for you? Yes, sir. Basically, uh, we are taking care of a three-year-old child. The mother is in uh, rehab for alcoholism. The father is in jail for burglary and terroristic threats. The father who's in jail... Uh, parents, the child's grandparents, are threatening to go to court to try to ascertain some grandparental rights. No, they're well, we are wondering. Yeah, but you, how related are you to that child? You're just a family friend. Family friend. We've known him since uh, since I was as long as I can physically remember. My parents long before that. Yeah. I don't know if that really right. Ryan, here uh, are a couple of rules, and this is an interesting one because it's a wobbler. First of all, the grandparents have more of a say than you do. They have <laughs> legally they have a, a a bigger right, a more solid right to that child than you do. However, uh, you've been taking care of the child. Uh, you are the one that has been in that child's life, and so the argument you're going to have if the grandparents take you to court or go to court to have the kid turned over to them. Uh, They've got some splaining to do to the court. How are they going to take care of the child? Where do they live? Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of environment the child's going to be in? Now, are you and your wife, for example, both working? 
Uh, my wife is a stay-at-home mother okay. with our two kids, but I am full-time working. Well, that doesn't matter as long as uh, the stay-at-home mom sort of changes everything. Because if both of you were working, the grandparents can come in and say there's no parental relationship here. There's no one to take care of the child full-time. Uh, well, mom is. So yeah. all, all you can do is let the grandparents know if they take you to court or they take uh, they go to court for custody of the three-year-old, you're going to fight it. And they bought themselves a, a legal case. Whether okay. or not you whether or not you go forward with that is another situation. Yeah, the the biggest concern we have is the grandparents. Uh, the grandparents, the female, the grandmother, is a recovering alcoholic and pill popper, and okay. they have multiple children living there. There is no special. Okay. No, um, so now with that, time. okay, that is an argument uh, certainly on your favor or in your favor. Now, Perfect. how do you prove she's an alcoholic? Uh, we're hoping to get some form of records or a statement from a pissed off ex girlfriend of the father. Well, that's only, but, that, but here it is. But that's only going to be anecdotal. Okay. See that that's the problem. It's just you saying it, and then someone who's an angry in an angry relationship, and of course, no one's ever going to lie when they're pissed off and want to come back and be <laughs> vicious. So the court goes, "Oh yeah, I believe you." Mm-hmm. So uh, it's okay. it's not that easy to do. But uh, the easiest way is you get a lawyer letter and say, hey, you know, you bought yourself a custody battle. If you're willing to spend the money, we're willing to spend the money. Okay, so it might be good to go to a family law attorney and have them At least, yeah. Oh, yeah. Letter. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I would do that. That's for starters. We'll see how serious they are. When someone is threatening to do something... It's a lot easier to threaten than to actually go forward, especially if a lawyer letter comes and says, hey, uh, we are going to fight this. My client is willing to go forward with this. And if they believe it, then and it's more it's more likely for them to believe it from a lawyer. You know, it starts with uh, please be advised. This whenever when I used to do these letters, uh, and of course, no one ever believed me because it come back with ha 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 right on the letter. They send it back. But when I would write a lawyer letter when I was practicing law, I would. It starts with uh, 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 dear sir, uh, please be advised that I have been retained to represent insert name of client here, and then go through a little bit of uh, what the facts of the case are. And then I end it with, uh, and be advised, we will uh, go to the fullest length that, uh, that law allows uh, to uh, make our case and to, and then whatever, get our money or to stop whatever you're going to do. And so, uh, you know, I mean, people pay attention to that. This is Handle on the Law. Yeah. Oh, I've been shaking. I love it when you go crazy. You take all my inhibitions. Baby, there's nothing holding me. And uh, welcome back. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Uh, pleasure having you here. And this is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Here we go with Bo. Hello, Bo. Hi. I was in a car accident and I have rental car insurance for 30 days at $30 a day. So the car was in the shop for 25 days, and I paid $750. 
The insurance company is only reimbursing me for 18 days. And have you show, and, wait, and when you told them, here it is, where it says 30 days, Hello? how are they responding? Excuse me? What? Okay. When you show the insurance company their policy that says 30 days, how do they respond? They say that the my body shop, which is a great body shop, did not call for a supplement until about six days later. And so they're taking that six days off. Wait, wait. What does it have to say that they have to call for supplement? Does it say anything in the policy that says they have to do that? No. Okay, then they're crazy. Then they're making it up. And so, Bo, you just have to start arguing with them. And uh, you say, "Where, where does it say supplement? You're just making up the rules? I mean, literally. The, the, the body shop then offered to split the difference. Well, wait, wait, wait. Why would you pay anyway? If the body shop's willing to split the difference, and they obviously see there's something wrong there. But your insurance, uh, the insurance policy is between you and the insurance company. And if it says we pay for 30 days, and that's it, nothing about application for a supplement, nothing about what body shops have to do, it's just we pay for 30 days, why would they be throwing in all of these, uh, uh, you know, other requirements? Well, how about this? You can't do it on a Monday or a Tuesday. You can only file on Wednesdays. Oh, how about the sun has to be out when you file? And it has to be at least 80 degrees outside. Otherwise, we don't take the claim. I mean, why not if they're making that up? Exactly. Okay. I all right. So, so, all right. Bo, Bo, Bo. So, what you do is you start screaming at the at the uh, insurance adjuster and say, "I have, I have at the adjuster." Yeah. Who yeah. else? Who else are you going to? I have a lawyer, and they they're not even doing anything about all right, it. Why do you wait a sec? You have a lawyer because you were injured. Yeah. Okay. But uh, this only pertains to the car. No, I understand. I no, I get it. But that should be part of it. You have a lawyer. How badly were you injured, Bo? Well, I don't want to say on the radio. Why? But... No one knows who the hell you are. Because that's going to be part of my answer. I should know that. Because that's the next part of my answer. But. Okay. But the thing... All right. You're not going to answer the question. Then I'm gone. Fair enough. All right. Freda. Hello, Freda. Hello, Mr. Bill. Yes, ma'am. I have a question regarding a living trust. I am listed as domestic partner, and it's been over 10 years. I didn't know I had that label. Anyway, I am the trustee of Tom Lundy's uh, living trust. Um, Do I... Does the real estate have anything to do with the daughter? She got no. What does the trust say, uh, Frida? Let's start talking about you as a trustee. It doesn't matter uh, that you are whatever relationship you have with the trust store, the guy who made the trust, common law wife, or what did you say? Something partner. Uh, it's listed as domestic partner. No, okay, that means nothing. Also, okay. and I noticed up there is co- uh, common law. You ask about a common law. There's no such thing as common law wife anymore. So your domestic partner doesn't matter. You're the trustee. Frida, okay. you're the trustee. You could be a kangaroo, and now you're and now you're the trustee. Fair enough. So, what does the trust say about the daughter? It just lists her that she is, you know, his his daughter. Okay, where does the under the trust who gets the money? I do. You get. You're the trustee, and you get all of the money. Well, the monies that were assigned to the trust, which were uh, three investment 
Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever in the trust, whatever the trust owns, uh-huh. you are the trustee and you are the sole beneficiary. Is that correct? That's how I okay, read it. Okay, fair enough. How much money are we talking about, Frida? Well, it was it totaled one hundred twenty nine thousand, forty thousand in the wheel read to be assigned to me, and ten thousand to his sister. Okay, hold on. There's a will and there's a trust. Uh, the and wi- there's a pour over will. Okay, so it's a it's a will, pour over will, and a trust. So uh-huh. all, so what you do is you simply follow the terms of the trust. Just follow the terms and distribute the money. And the reason I asked you uh, how much money is involved, is that enough for her to go in there and fight, contest the will? Probably not. Since she has been effectively excluded from the trust, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's going to be hard for her. It's going to cost her a lot of money uh, okay. to go in there well, and wh- fight What it. about the dwelling? What about the real estate? Who owns the real estate? He did. No. who's The real estate, is it in the trust or not? No. Okay. Then the real, then is it in the will? Not in the will. Okay. Then it goes to uh, his daughter. Then it goes to his daughter. The Uh, real estate goes to the daughter? Yeah. 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 Now we go back to uh, domestic partner. That's an, I I understand now where that question is going. Yeah. Is a domestic partner the same as a married woman or a married person? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I'm willing to guess... No. I'm willing to guess that the property only goes to the daughter if there's no will. It goes to the it goes to the children. It goes to siblings if uh, the kids are not around. Otherwise, it goes to all the kids. And uh, you're not married, Frida. So I don't. I have no right to yeah, live in th- here. I, well, now yeah, toss me out to the street. Uh, yeah, once she uh, once the property is in her name, she can toss you out. This is why you want to talk to a trust and estate lawyer uh, and ask that question. Uh, the question is, uh, and the only question is, is you uh, registering the two of you registering as domestic partnership? That that does that put you in line so you can inherit? If it is, if you are considered a wife under law because of the domestic partnership registration, then you split the property with the daughter and you. Oh, okay. All right, that's how it works. Oh, I was wondering where she was going with that domestic partnership business. And I don't know the answer. I think not, if I had to guess. Yvette! Hello, Yvette. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Hello? Do I hang up on you now? No, oh, okay. don't hang up on me now. Okay, Did so you already can... tell you what my question nope, was? Nope, nope, nope. I'm reading it on the computer, but you have to tell me. Oh, okay, so my car is part of the Toyota Recall for the airbags. So I took it in. They gave me a rental car. My car has been at the dealer for nine months. They don't know when it's going to be fixed for the part. My question is, do I have some kind of suit possibly against Toyota for the fact that they're taking so long to repair my car? And they're not going to service my car. They've already told me when they give it back. All right. They're going to fix the airbag. Yeah, I know, but they can't. But they, for nine months. but they can't keep it for nine months. I mean, they, they can't. So you've got to come. It's been nine months. I get it, but they're not allowed to. They can't do it. I mean, I understand physically they did it, but they don't have a right to keep it for nine months. And so there are a couple of choices is that you just take the car back and uh, you just start driving it and hope that you don't get into an accident where the airbag explodes and all of a sudden it becomes shrapnel and goes through your chest. 
But, I mean, think about it for a moment. How many cars out there have to have airbags replaced? Tens of millions. Exactly. How do they physically get to tens of of millions without taking years to do it? I mean, it's not as if, here we go, we've got 8 million cars to... Uh, to fix, right? Bring them all in, and we'll all have them done by next week. Okay, so, I understand that. So there is a problem. And so I don't know what the answer is. They should either Toyota gives you another car to use, you take it back, and you just take the chance, and you're going to sue their asses off if something happens to you. Which I don't want to take that chance. Yeah, right. So uh, you find you know what I would do is contact. There's all kinds of lawsuits going on. Uh, contact one of the law firms and just talk to the lawyer. They'll talk to you because that's just, you know, someone else. And just say, hey, what do you do? What What do you do? Just, you know what? Go on the Internet. And you're not the only one that has this question. What do you do? Right. What, yeah, just, what do you, and just ask that question. And I'm sure you'll get an answer. And I don't care whether you do or not. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Rita. Hi, Rita. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I have a question regarding if someone's insurance has said that they were not negligent. She had a water leak into my place. Can I still take her to small claims? Oh, absolutely. Court? Sure. Just because the insurance says no doesn't mean it's no. Insurance companies always say no. Okay. So uh, then, what what are your damages? How much money are we talking about to fix it all? Well, I, my deductible was 1500 Yeah, that's and your... And my insurance paid 2900 and yeah. something. Yeah, you can and sue I, her. You can sue her. Can I sue also and repay my insurance company for the... No. No, no. no. Okay. Your uh, uh, your insurance company can sue her for the difference. No, maybe you can. Oh. Maybe you can. You're looking at, uh, but here is the here is the problem, is that let's say the full damages are what the insurance company paid plus yours, but you're going to get the check. Uh huh. And so, what if you don't pay your insurance company? No, I would. Uh, well, I'm just saying. What if you don't? That would be bad faith, and the courts yeah. normally don't do that. Because it would be double-dipping on your side. Because you, of course, are totally honest, and you would never not pay the insurance company. Well, the reason why I wouldn't is because my insurance rate went from $500 for my homeowner's insurance yeah. to now it's 846 because yeah. of this one yeah, claim. Yeah, I would, I, would I would sue for that, too. That I am not negligent. Yeah, no, she I get it. around going, I'm not negligent. Well, she can I'm walk around negligent. and say, well, she can do whatever she wants. And um, she's still guilty. Yeah. I mean, not guilty. She's still responsible. Yeah, she is. Said no. Well, then you sue her. Isn't. Then you sue her. Okay. And that's and that's what you do. And then the question is, can you also sue for the damage? Of the ins- no, because the insurance. No, you can't, because you haven't been damaged twenty nine hundred dollars worth. That's why you have insurance. You've been damaged fifteen hundred dollars worth. Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Hi. Yes, ma'am. So I had a baby three years ago at Kaiser, and after a long delivery, I went 41 weeks, and I was in labor for about 35 hours, for four hours, 
and I was unable to walk for about six weeks after without the help of a walker. Um, I fell multiple times. I um, was unable to hold my baby during that time because I, or I wasn't able to walk and hold my baby. Um, it was a really horrific experience, um, continuing for like a year after my legs were still weak. And um, so it created all those issues. I never, I was such an emotional wreck at the time and just wanted to get better. But now, like, now it's kind of turned to anger. Yeah, Am okay. Able- all right, let me ask you a date. Has it been yeah. three years from the date of the delivery? Uh, it will be this weekend. All right. You, uh, I'd get to a lawyer right now and at least, okay. at least file uh, the uh, lawsuit and then start worrying about it. Because it either, but, yeah, I mean, just get it done right now. Go to a lawyer okay. instantly. Go to a medical malpractice attorney. And I'll even if he says, I don't think there's much of a case there, go, yeah, what does it cost to file the damn lawsuit? Or just file it yourself. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's, and it's so uh, medical malpractice. Yeah, it's medical yeah, malpractice. You'll see this all. Yeah, just ask the lawyer. If you have to pay the lawyer to file the lawsuit, just the paperwork, and you'll do it in your name. I mean, the lawyer's not going to okay. put his name on it. You're going to just, just to start this thing going, except... Ah, medical mal, you have to have it certified. Uh, Talk to a medical mal attorney. You you know, this is crazy. Yeah, this is not good. Because uh, you also have to certify the case before you can file a medical malpractice uh, case. You may be screwed. Uh, All right, Martin. Hi, Martin. Martin, you there? Yes. Yes, what can I do for you, Martin? Hi, um... So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I came out to my car and I had, uh, I, I guess, I guess some cop had driven by and given me a parking ticket. And it said that it was for parking in a, a handicapped spot. But when I looked at the, the spot next to me, it was a handicap. But in my tire, I had one tire over the line, one tire barely, mm. barely touching the blue line. Oh, gosh, spot. you have a cop that really went after you. OK, so what's your question? I'm trying to see if I have any legal. I have. I yeah, have, yeah. I tell you exactly what I do. I plead not guilty, uh-huh. and go into court. But do you have proof where the tire was? Yeah, I actually took a picture of it. Okay, that's great. So here, good for you. So you plead not guilty. You show the judge the uh, the the picture. Go, come on, Your Honor. Really. I have a little tiny bit of blue, and I was substantially in my spot. Are you kidding? And you go, Your Honor, this is obviously a police officer who uh, really wanted, had a bad day and wanted to go after me. So, uh, and if the, if, the poli- if the judge believes you, as opposed to you got the ticket and then you pulled out, came back and snapped the picture again. Yeah. I mean, uh, and it's a question of um, does, does, depends on how cynical the judge is. Yeah, because I've done this before a few years ago where I've gone in and I've had pictures, proof, and the judge didn't even want to look at the damn pictures. Yeah, sometimes they don't. So like here, even, like so, they didn't even care. Like yeah, no, sometimes they don't. Side. Sometimes they do, but this is all you can do. It's all you can do, Martin, is try, and hopefully the judge uh, either pays attention to you, looks at the picture. Uh, he hasn't had a bad day. Uh, he has uh, been in front of that cop or the cop's been in front of him before and has come up with really, you know, jerky, uh, sketchy situations. Uh, and the judge may just toss it out and say too bad. Or the judge may think, you know, Martin, it's just too easy for you to pull out and come back. Although who would do that? <laughs> who would do that? And you think about it. If the judge says anything, you know, your honor, why then wouldn't I just 
pull in my regular spot and take a picture and say, well, now that makes sense, too, because then uh, there'd be no reason you'd be in front of the judge. So uh, yeah. it's uh, bottom line. I think you're going to lose. And second of all, it's going to cost you, uh, I think, when you add the the fees, when you had the assessments and the penalties, it'll be about $4,000. Okay. Uh, All right. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Welcome. Ha. Handle here. This is handle on the law. This is KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning right up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte follows uh, this show at 11, 11 to 2. Leo's on today and tomorrow, 11 to 2. Then there is uh, the Fork Report from 2 to 5 o'clock today. And uh, from 6 to 8, Mo Kelly. Uh, then Monique Marvez. And then it ends with uh, Brian Suits from 10 to midnight with the Dark Secret Place. This is Handel on the Law. Uh, Here's one out of Oklahoma that has to shake you to your very core. Well, certainly in this case, this woman. So here is uh, a lady by the name of Danielle Dyer. And she was seven years old when her father's stepbrother molested her. Now, he served time for the crime. And uh, even went back to prison for violating his parole. So now he's out. Uh, free the second time. He is a 64-year-old convicted sex offender. Now, you know as a sex offender, and every state has these same kinds of rules, you can't live near a playground, you can't live near a church or where kids congregate or whatever. But I'll tell you what he is not precluded from doing is living next door to the gal that he molested. He moved in with his mother, who happens to be Danielle's grandmother, who lives next door to her parents. And under Oklahoma law, uh, nothing stops an offender from living next door to the victim. She's now 21 years old, and she said, okay, my parents and I, we're going to change that. I mean, she wrote, uh, sharing a photo of her step-uncle, she put it up on uh, the Internet, meet my abuser and my new neighbor. He's been asked to leave Oklahoma, but he, or, but in Oklahoma, he can legally reside here. And surely Oklahoma can do better than this. And my parents are I, and I are out to change Oklahoma law, uh, which is, you would think the logic would say, okay, you can't live near a, a school, a church, etc., And you would think that included in that is you can't live next to or near the person that you molested. Can't live within 10 miles or 15 miles, maybe even the same town. Nope, Oklahoma law is silent on that. So my guess is, uh, yep, they're going to be changing it. All right, let's take some phone calls. Joe, hello, Joe. 
Joe, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, I was driving um, on a turn road, um, rural road right here where I live, and um, it, had been, it had just rained that day. So uh, I was coming close to a puddle, and I I, I saw I, 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 I slowed down so I can go through that puddle. Um, all of a sudden, this truck from behind ran, uh, ran into me. Um, now my truck, um, his insurance company estimated the repairs for 3200 um, and I, I talked to their adjuster, and he's saying, well, we declare your truck a total loss. Um, I think, but my truck... You know what, uh, Joe, I'm having a real hard time understanding you. Uh, you're not, you know what, you're going to have to call back, because that's just, uh, the phone line doesn't work, that's all. I know it was a rear-ender case and something to do with the insurance company, and I shouldn't have left you on that long. All right, Jose. Hello, Jose. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah. Hey, uh, bought a house a couple of months ago, County of Riverside. Uh, house be- was built ten years ago. Uh, tried to make some construction on the side, you know. Uh, try and get the permits. The county telling me that the house was actually never had the last inspection done, which means I'm living in a house that is not supposed to be <laughs> for living. Right. You have to ask for a waiver. Uh, I mean, you have to ask for a waiver. Certainly. What do they tell you to do? And they're not asking you to move out, are they? No, they haven't. But my 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 fear is that insurance. If I have a problem, you know, with the recent grain and whatnot. No, good for you. Uh, good for you for thinking about it. Yeah, you know, no, that's true. That's insurance legitimate. Insurance is not. Insurance is not gonna. Yeah. pretty much is gonna. Yo, you're right. Right. Pounds. No, because the insurance company. Finance are, company. No, I get it. There. No, I, well, the finance company not a problem, but the insurance company. I mean, they're a bunch of whores, and if they can get out of paying anything, they will. So what you have to do is go and get a permit and backdate it and put down exactly what happened and hopefully the building department will come out and send someone in and give you a final based on what the house looks like now and i think you sh- i think you should be able to get it because otherwise uh, you have an unpermitted house and you're not allowed to live there and you paid x number hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's uh you're just screwed so there are ways of doing it and it is uh, a waiver and you're asking for a variance, I think, is what you're asking for. No, you're asking for a waiver. Uh, and you're asking okay. them to come back. So call Building and Safety and say, what do I do here? All right? Okay, one more question. Yeah. I, I paid a house a price for market. Uh, do you see where I'm going? I yeah, and you want to know, okay, well, first of all, it may only yeah. cost, it may only, wait, wait, Jose, it may only cost you for the final inspection. Yeah, $4,000. Okay. Yeah, all right. Then that's your lawsuit uh, against uh, the previous owner. The previous owner. Sure. And Okay. So it's not against the construction company who were supposed to be... Well, uh, yeah, maybe. It was a new house you bought? It, took, uh, it was 10 years ago. The house they built it 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago is going to be tough. 10 years is going to be tough because you have a statute of limitations there. But the first thing you have to do is get it permitted, Jose. I mean, that there's no issue on that one. Yeah. I mean, that's and then and then you start worrying about going back. And uh, I think the statute is, uh, yeah, it's pretty difficult. So you're gonna have to talk to a real estate guy because uh, that's what I would do. Kind of getting some questions of which are good questions that I don't know the answer to. Usually, the questions I don't know the answer to are really moronic questions that I should know the answer to. But in every once in a while, I get questions where I go, wow, you know, that's a great question. And I still don't know the answer to it. 
But at least it doesn't sound like I'm a moron, where most of the time I sound like I'm an idiot and I should know the answer to. That makes sense? It certainly did. All right, this is Handle on the Law. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Jackie. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm just beyond horrible. So what can I do for you? Well, I have a question about uh, child support. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, stepchild is going to be 18 uh, this year, and mother is saying that... um, uh, father needs to pay, uh, continue payment while the child is in college. Is that the case? No, generally not, unless the court order. Has the court ordered that uh, the child is paid for? And usually it's just the cost of college. Uh, now, it can be that pursuant to the court order. Do you know what the court order says? Uh, the court order was um, that it stopped at 18, and it, I don't have it in front of me. But no, there was no. Then there's not. Then 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 it's over. Then there is no obligation whatsoever to oh. p- to keep on oh. going. Okay, so even if the mother ha- her financial situation is horrendous, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter. They're not going to nail the father for that. They really okay. aren't. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it's quite all right. And I don't know if that's true or not. But what the hell? You know, someone's going to sue somebody. So congratulations, uh, Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, my question is, my dad's 84, and my mom is 74. Dad's in really poor health. Uh, dad's got about 70000 in credit card debt uh, in his name only, not joining a card with my mom. Uh, he took out a bunch of cash advances because he knew he didn't have any life insurance. They don't own a house, anything else. The question is, can they ever come back? Yeah. I mean, against your mom? Yeah, of course they can, because the credit card was probably issued. uh, Your parents have been married forever, and uh, so they look at community assets to pay it back. But uh, what kind of money is your mom earning? When, uh, where is she getting her income? What's she going to live on? Uh, Both of them only on Social Security. Yeah, they're not going to touch. Lewis, they're not going to touch her. Really? Once she gets a, 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 once she gets a demand letter saying you owe X number of dollars, all you do is say, deceased, husband deceased, I'm on Social Security. That's all she has to say. And once they realize that, they're dropping it. They're going no place. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's good to be broke and have no assets and live in a dumpster. Because usually when you live in a dumpster, it's someone else's dumpster. Normally you don't actually own the dumpster. So they can't come in and sue for your asset, your dumpster, for example. Where theoretically, uh, theoretically, you go after your house, and even if dumpsters is they're on wheels, so technically they're not homes; they would be vehicles, wouldn't they? And if you took the if you took it to the beach, uh, your dumpster rolled it to it'd be a recreational vehicle. Is that fair to say? But the less you have, uh, the less they're going to go after. They're just not going to touch it. They really aren't. Hello, Steve. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Ah, thank you very much, Bill. I recently refied my house to a 30-year fix, 4%. Congratulate me. 
Congratulations. Thank you. As a, as part of that refi, I had to pay off the four thousand dollar remaining loan on my car, which was two hundred dollars a month. Um, they paid the loan off eight days late, which caused my credit score to zap fifty percent. I called my mortgage broker. He said there was nothing he could do. I called the car company. They said because it wasn't their fault, there was nothing there they could All do. All right. Yeah. You've got, my... Yeah. What What do you do about your credit score? Well, uh, yeah. And there's. Uh, I mean, theoretically, uh, you've got uh, the people that should have paid. Who paid it late? It was the mortgage company that paid it late. Uh, the the the, the new refi. The, Yes, correct. Was yes. it was it the escrow that paid it late, or just the straight mortgage uh, company? I'm a little confused here. Who actually? Uh, what organ? Who was supposed to pay off that loan? Uh, do you want the name of? No, the no, bank? no, 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 no. I don't care. Is it a mortgage company? It is a lender. Is it an escrow company? Tell me which a lender. Lender. Oh, the lender. lender was supposed to. Okay, so the lender has uh, dropped the, uh, the the has dropped the uh, the ball here, but someone had to report that. And who reported the uh, late payment? Uh, it, it was the it was the car finance. Okay, company. so now here is what you get to do: you get the mortgage company to write a letter to the car finance company and explain what happened, and that it's their fault. And then you ask them to drop the negative on your credit report. Right, because my my telephone call requesting they do that was not successful at all. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they just said no. But did you have a letter? Uh, did with the mortgage company willing to write a letter? Uh, I I did not ask. You Nothing have to ask did. that. No, you have to ask that. And you walk in to the car company, the people you had to pay off for the car, in which you were eight days late, with a letter saying, "Hey, it was not Steve's fault. We were supposed to pay for it. He didn't even know it was late." And here's the agreement in which uh, he we were supposed to pay. Hopefully they do that. Hopefully you have some guy there. And then they go ahead and drop uh, the negative reporting on that credit report. And if not, you have to simply dispute it, although the payment was late. And if uh, that doesn't help, then you have to do your explanation. And uh, your credit score, I mean, how does it drop 50% by being eight days late? How does that no, work? No, no, no. No, not 50%, 50 points. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Uh, yeah, and then you simply explain it and say, hey, this is what happened on the uh, on the credit report. And if you're asking for any kind of a loan or whatever, uh, part of the request is you explain what happened. And especially if you have the letter, you're home free. Fantastic. Okay, you, try that. Uh, no idea if it's going to work or not. I've actually seen it work. Because there are people in this world that understand that, for example, in Steve's case, he just got screwed. Now, it could be it fell through the cracks where the payment was supposed to be made, the file was put over there, and they just screwed up. But when that happens, you think someone would say, we just screwed up. It's a letter saying we were eight days late. It's not Steve's fault. And uh, it was just an internal screw up on our part. But then there are some people who go, we don't care. Those are the people that you want a pit bull to eat them. This is Handle on the Law. You're making it so easy to throw myself away. 
by AM Security. We're stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Hello, John. Yes, sir. Hi, yes. Mr. Handel. Yes. Um, what what I have is I've recently had a shoulder surgery, right shoulder surgery, where I was at a surgical facility where, you know, obviously during surgery or I think most surgeries, if not all, they put on leg cuffs or like uh, leg stimulators that... Are you familiar with those? Yeah, no, absolutely. I've had surgery, and I don't know if they okay. put them on at the time of surgery or right after, but okay, fair enough. I think they put them on. Like, just, All right. It, it, this, is, this is, they put them on when they decatheterize you and then do, right. a, do a, a breathing tube. The whole, I was, the whole thing was done with me. So post-surgery, I moved into uh, step down into recovery. The, the, the leg stimulators or the cuffs are left on, but... You know, I'm not paying attention until about 15 hours later when I ask them to be turned on. Um, so a, a long story short, once I finally get released out of the medical facility about 50 hours later, my legs, my left leg started hurting to the point where uh, then two days later I have to go to ER because I, I'm unable to walk at that time. I, I I I couldn't even walk on my on my left leg, and where they found a blood clot. So my and now I'm on blood thinners and monitoring and the whole thing. So my story is: is do I have a case? Yeah, it's uh, well, you might, but it's pretty small. So I don't know if a medical malpractice attorney is going to even pick it up because effectively right. you're on blood thinners, okay? I happen to be, or I would be on blood thinners, uh, but uh, it's it's something that a lot of people are on. And then the issue is, was that blood clot form as a result of any malpractice? And blood clots are usually uh, one of uh, the side effects of any surgery. Now, you're sure. arguing that the uh, the cuff, that pressure cuff put around your legs, uh, did not was not inflated. It was not working the entire time that you were in the hospital. No, about half half the time that I was in the hospital. Uh, you see, and that, but that's but you see that's your word for it. And uh, the nurse is going to say you're crazy. Well, no, I can verify because when at the time that I asked to have it turned on, my surgeon was visiting me to you know to the next day to see how I was doing. And he's the one that asked them to turn it off. Okay, uh, okay. So it's turned off at that point, but he certainly doesn't know if it was not used the entire time. And I don't know if there's a note in there oh. or not. But e- even so, you have to connect the two, right? And there has to be an absolute connection, not could have, kind of. And well, then- I mean, I know, I know that from when I actually woke up after after surgery I mean they weren't on until No I understand you know, no no I understand I get it but that doesn't mean you wouldn't have had a blood clot anyway For sure So you're I mean, so but, you're saying that had that been had those cuffs been put on I would not have a blood clot and the that, reason I have a blood clot is because of the of uh, that cuff not being turned on and then right. the argument no, is how about, how about every that's what you believe well you know the right. first question is uh, where did you go to medical school no, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, that's for, literally that's the cracker, first question. Jack. Yeah, cracker I mean, John, uh, you know, as uh, much as you understand, you know, and you may be right. Uh, you know, nobody gives a damn about your opinion, John. Sure, I understand. Uh, it's uh, that that's irrelevant. So uh, it's 
you can talk to a malpractice attorney, medical malpractice. Always, It's always worth getting a second opinion. Or in the case of you asking me a question, it's always a first opinion because mine is basically useless. But right. uh, it's I don't think there's much there. I really don't because there's, it's too often that there is a side effect. Uh, you're going to have a hard time proving that, in fact, it was turned off for 50 hours when there'll be no note. And uh, I don't know what else to say. Other than I think you probably kind of sort of have no case. Hello, Don. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Okay, Bill, question for you is uh, end of last year we were let go from our previous employer, and they are refusing now to return any tools or personal property. Wow. I do have have receipts for some of them, but not all of them. Okay, well, that doesn't really matter because at this point, uh, it's how much? How much money are we talking about, tool wise? Um, a couple thousand notes. All right, and is it stopping you from going out and getting uh, getting a job? Yes, it could. Yes. Okay, so now the next question is: Well, it could, but it hasn't yet. Correct? Uh, yes. Okay, so now uh, you've put in writing demanding the tools back. Correct? Okay. All right. What you want to do, I'm assuming you put it in writing, saying you have not returned my tools. Is there uh, any proof that there's an argument that happened, where, uh, is it, or is it all verbal? No, I do have some texts back and forth with the lady from uh, HR. And she says the tools are not coming back to you? Yeah, well, originally they were supposed to give me an itemized of everything that was there, and they never have done that either. You have not gone in. They will not let you in to pick. These are personal tools that you use that you bought, Correct. Correct. All right. Well, the first thing you want to do is send an email saying, if I don't have access to the tools immediately, I'm filing a lawsuit. They're also, uh, first of all, it's easy. You replace the tools and you get your money back instantly. I mean, that's not going to be a problem. You're going to go to small claims court. Uh, or even the value of the tools, if you don't need them right now, you go in and then they're going to say, well, you can have your tools back and uh, then you're going to play the game as soon as you file a lawsuit. But as importantly, I think that's a violation of state law up and down the book. And you want to get hold of uh, the Department of Consumer Affairs. There is There are all kinds of rules that an employer has to follow. And for them to refuse to return tools of the trade, what you need to make a living, that's that's crazy making. What? Why are they saying that they're not giving you back your tools? What's the reasoning? Okay, the last conversation I had with the HR person was, they refused to do anything like that because when I left, I had my tool bucket, which was mined with all my personal tools, in my truck when they you know, turned us loose. And they didn't have a chance to inspect that, so they figured I got a whole bunch of tools in my tool bucket. But they have to prove that. So uh, you have to say, what tools are you – here's what you want to do. You want to write the email uh, or send a text. You are not letting me get my tools, and you are uh, – you're stopping me because you're saying I took tools because they di- you didn't inspect. Exactly what tools are you accusing me of taking? They can't okay. just say, we think Don took tools. I mean, they can't. what are they going to say? Uh, can you imagine in front of a judge, in front of a, uh, an administrative uh, judge, where they come back, well, we think Don may have taken tools. Which ones? Well, we don't know. Yeah, we I mean, they're know. going no place on that one. So those okay. are your choices. Send off uh, the email. Or the text saying, I demand I get my tools back immediately. With the reasoning that you say, I may have taken tools, please please be specific, you don't have it, and I'm going to go after you in court. And there may be some punitive damages here. You may want to talk to a lawyer about this, because this, okay. uh, th- this one is, that, that's pretty graphically horrible. Okay. What do you do for a living, Don? I was a facilities technician. 
facilities technician, or what does that mean? I worked in a laboratory. We repaired okay. building, and all kinds of stuff. You mean you repaired the, the facilities? Facilities, yeah. Got it. Inside, all right. Outside, I understand. And, Thank you. Know, you. All right. Fair enough. You're gone. Facilities technician repairing facilities, technically speaking. Maybe a janitor. I don't know. That's what Mike says. I, no, no, it could be, but he, no, I don't think so. Because uh, what, he had tools, right? Personal mops. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Yes. Yes. I have a child. Uh, my, it's not my child. It's my best friend's child who's seven and a half years old. I have. I don't have custody or anything like that. She just lives with me. Her mother, her grandmother is 3,000 miles away in Florida. And All right. Hold on. Hold on. I'm a little confused. Okay. Uh, okay. Th- this is your kid or not? No, it's my best friend's child. Your best friend's child. Okay. Right. And uh, the best friend lives with you. No, she doesn't. She doesn't really have a house to live at, at right so, now. She's, like, on the, on the street. So I have her child. Okay, got it. Temporarily have your child. Got it. All right, now what? Right. Now, the grandmother is trying to get custody of the child. Okay. And she lives 3,000 miles away. Do I have any legal recourse? Well, you don't have any legal recourse at all. None. No, you have nothing to do with this. Not it's even a, though I've, I've taken care of her. Yeah, no one cares. How old's the kid? Seven and a half. And how long have you been taking care of the child? Uh, a couple years. Uh, it's still, yeah, it's still no. not. No, it's not you. It's going to be between mom and grandma, and that's it. And grandma has a really good case uh, against mom because living on the street. Uh, yeah. Right, her child? I'm sorry? Her child doesn't, though. I know. Her child lives with you. Then, But you don't have the right to custody. You're not related to the child. Correct. Yeah, you're, you're, you're out of luck. I'm out of luck. Yeah, you're completely out of luck. Nice talking to you. Okay, Robert. Hello, Robert. Yeah, hi, Bill. Uh, I'm renting a house, and uh, it's got a swimming pool and a jacuzzi. Well, the jacuzzi went out, and um, I've asked the the landlord several times if they can can repair it, and they've kind of just ignored it. So I'm wondering if I'm responsible. No, you are not. No, you are not responsible. The landlord is. The landlord is absolutely responsible. Now... Uh, that's the law. Now, let's get practical for a moment. Uh, for a moment. What do you do with it? Uh, if the landlord blows you off and says, nope, I'm not going to repair it here, and, and you're now you're writing to him, and you're asking several times so you can prove you, you're emailing him or you're sending him a text or anything that you can prove that you have asked for it over and over again. So let's say you've asked him to do it three times, and he has blown you off or tells you he's not going to do it. Then here are your choices. Uh, number one, you can move out. That's a breach. 
of the lease on his part because he has to keep he he leased or rented the house to you with the spa and the spa is out and okay so you know what you don't want to fix it there's no lease here uh because even if it's not written in the lease that's part and parcel of what you're paying for uh so there's one argument you have the cleanest way of doing it is simply to repair it yourself and then just deduct the rent deduct it from the rent now you have a landlord who's going to be really pissed at you yeah, uh, and is going to quite possibly uh, give you a three-day notice to rent, uh, to pay rent or quit, uh, because uh, the argument's going to be you have deducted, let's say, $300, and you're $300 short on the rent. And he's going to ask for the rent. You're going to say no, because you took the $300 to fix the uh, spa. And then he's going to file unlawful detainer and then take you to court. And he's going to lose, Robert. You're going to win that one. Okay. Okay? Not an issue. Now, he's still your landlord. Yep. And you've just and you've just won in court against him. <laughs> and you've gotten legal fees on top of that. So if he pays for a lawyer, guess what? If you have to pay for a lawyer, you he gets to pay for it. So those are... All of your possibilities. Have you gotten a bid on fixing the thing? No, not yet. But... You know, get a bid. If it's cheap enough, you just go, hey, listen, it's 100 bucks. Let's split it. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, it. That's the... They're usually pretty good about things, but this time they're just kind of blown All out. right. Like... Then just say, hey, listen, it's going to cost X number of dollars. I want to use it, you know, and I'll pay for part of it. Uh, come on. Let's get reasonable. Okay. All right? All right. All right. Yeah. That's the easiest way of doing it because something, you know, it, it's... And I've said this before. Uh, the law is the law, and it gets really clean, right? This one is clean as they come, right? Absolutely. There is no issue. There's no wiggle room. It's absolute. However, you have to live with it. For example, let's say you have stopped at a stop sign, and a cop is pulls you over and tickets you because the cop says you have blown through the stop sign. Mm-hmm. You've got it. Legally, you're right. You know, some problems, of course. But are you going to get into an argument with the cop and start screaming at him? Is that really what you're going to do, even if, if, even if you're right? Wow, that's a brilliant move. And so this is not to that extent. But it's close enough to where, you know, you've got to work it out. It is never worthwhile going to court even if you win because look how pissed off the other person is going to be. Who happens to be your landlord who happens to want to make your life completely miserable after you win the case, who happens to have every way of doing it when he's your landlord. I've gone far enough. All right, we'll be back and uh, take some more phone calls. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law.
This is KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. It's always a pleasure to have you here, particularly your pleasure more than mine, considering how long I've been doing this. And actually, uh, lately, we've gotten some pretty good questions. Because, uh, frankly, I'm always surprised at uh, the level of questions. How do I put that? Is that just a really nice way of putting I get so many idiot phone calls that I can't stand it three quarters of the time? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. I'm here until 11 o'clock for your enjoyment. Actually, the dumber your questions are, the more I enjoy them. So I'm here for my enjoyment. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, this one has to do with uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. And it has to do with uh, applications uh, for U.S. citizenship. So what ends up happening is the way you become a citizen, this is exactly the way I did. Uh, My parents came over on a green card. Uh, Then five years after that, they applied for citizenship. Both of those applications, they had to tell the truth. And if there was a lie on either one of those applications, the citizenship can be revoked. I think particularly on the citizenship part. And that's exactly what happened to this woman. Uh, Her citizenship was revoked because she had lied on her application. And it had to do, she came from Serbia, and she put down that her husband had, uh, in fact, was was being persecuted by the Serbian army because the Serbian army did all kinds of horrible things uh, to uh, the people of Serbia. And so she said uh, her husband was, in fact, on the other side of that. He was on the side of the people getting screwed. Well, it turns out he was actually in the Serbian army. And she lied about that. Her citizenship was revoked. And she took it to court. And the Supreme Court said that the U.S. cannot revoke her citizenship over minor falsehoods. It has to be fundamental to the very basis of her application for citizenship. That this was minor enough that it wouldn't affect her citizenship. For example, if she had said, my husband was in the Serbian army, that wouldn't have, wouldn't have changed her status of becoming a citizen. So just be, by lying about it, which currently the law says any lie, no matter how minor, citizenship can be revoked, uh, the Supreme Court went uh, the other way on that. And uh, this was uh, Divna Majanjak, the ethnic served. A Serb who had faced persecution in Bosnia and was granted refugee status and became a U.S. citizen. So uh, there you are. You know, court has said uh, that uh, minor lies are not uh, enough to revoke a citizenship. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hello, John. Hello? Yes. Yeah, I, I started a new job, and then my boss handed me my first check and said, she's not taking any taxes out. She's not going to pay me time and a half. Is that legal? Nope. I am on probation. Nope. Nope. Doesn't matter if you're on probation or not. It is uh, it is not legal. However, uh, yes. while she is doing something illegal in violation of law, you're on probation, and she can toss you out for any reason whatsoever. Right. I understand that. Now, okay. hold on. Now, under the law, she would have a tough time arguing that... Uh, it wasn't because she was doing an illegal act. But, John, all she has to do is come up with any reason whatsoever at all, and right. you're I'm screwed. Pre- I'm prepared for, to have to leave anyway. Oh, no, then just fine. Then turn her in. Then just say, uh, you're going to pay me? You're going to uh, 
You're going to take out the taxes. You're going to pay me, and you're going to pay me overtime. And if you don't, I'm turning you into uh, the state of California, the labor board. Okay. And she has to do it, or else you turn her in. Gotcha. No problem. All right. I appreciate that opinion. Thank you. All right. Hi, Gene. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes. I want want to sue a local community college for selling parking permits, and they don't provide enough parking. And you park wherever you can. Yeah. Give you a ticket. Yeah, my my daughter had that problem. Well, can I take them to small claims? Uh, no. No. Right. Sue them bigger time. Uh, yeah, you can try to sue them, but it's uh, you know, community college, and so uh, this is a state agency that you're suing, and uh, Gene, it's not going to happen. Well, you answered my question. All right, there you go. Yep, you can. Was it unfair? You betcha. Can you do anything about it? No. I mean, theoretically, you could. You'd hire a lawyer and spend a few thousand dollars, and you're going to lose, uh, which that's not a bad deal. Hey, Jim, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, hi. Yes. Uh, I've got a real estate problem uh, real estate agent title insurance. Yep. It's optional. No, it's not. It says so on the form. It doesn't matter. Are you, uh, let, let me, uh, is there a mortgage company? Are you financing it? No, I'm the seller. Okay, and is someone financing it? Uh, yes. Then there's no way they're going to be able to buy it without title insurance. There's but, no. But there, it's optional who pays. Oh, I see. Well, then you uh, negotiate. Got it. All right. So okay. I, I misunderstood. I, I wasn't informed by the uh, agent. They didn't they didn't tell me about it until okay. they were in escrow. Usually, it, usually it's split. Uh, yeah, but it's not it's not even required if you don't uh, unless it's, it's, mortgage sheet. That's you know? and there is if they're financing it, Jim. It's required. I'm just telling you, there isn't a mortgage company okay. on the planet but, that wait, will finance it without without title insurance. It's not required by the seller. Okay, then, but it doesn't matter. But the seller, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to sell it, Jim. It's not? not going to be sold without title insurance. No, no, the, the buyer buys it. No, it does. If it's optional, the buyer doesn't buy it. <laughs> Jim, how badly do you want to sell the property? It's already been sold, and they they lied to me. Uh, well, who lied to you? Uh, escrow. All right, then you know what you do? You walk out of it because it can't close. It, it's already closed. And there's no title insurance? Because the the agent oh. never told me. All right, hold on, happen. hold on. There, Someone had to pay for title insurance if it's already closed. Oh, it's been paid. I want to get my money back. Ah, and who, it was paid by you? Yes. All right, then you sue uh, the other side. You sue the escrow people for half of it or all of it. How much was title insurance? Uh, $1,500. All right, then you sue someone. What? Just sue someone. So uh, you think what I've got a case? No. <laughs> All right. This is Handle on the Law.
Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. We're simulating talk with Handle on a Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Scott. Welcome to Hi. Handle on the Law. All right. I have a company that terminated me, and they sent me out nine checks. They were all zeroed out, no money, but they did the withholding. So this year, about a month ago, I got a withholding W-2 from the IRS saying that they withhold the disability. Okay. Now, do you have a co- I didn't get paid. Okay, Scott, first of all, do you have a copy of the checks? I do. All, all right. All right. So what you get to do is write to the IRS and say you never got paid. So therefore, the withholding is effectively fraud on the IRS. Or not even fraud. It's just, yeah, probably would be fraud. And so that that's going to get you off the hook with the IRS. Now, did you work for the weeks that you got zero money on those checks? No, I was out. Uh, I had got injured, so it, they, they held my check, uh, my, my job for three years. And I guess I had 80 hours of uh, vacation pay coming due on the books. And did you and you did you get your 80 hours worth? I didn't get nothing. There was zero. Okay, so here's zero. what you, okay, here's what you have to do. First of all, you have to work with uh, the IRS to make sure that that's off the uh, off the table. That's easy. And second all of right. all, you have to go back to the company and say I want my 80 hours. I did that. And they're saying no. They're saying that there was a wage garnishment. Was there? <laughs> Oh, I, I never got anything. It doesn't say anything on the check there. Okay, then what you have to do is ask them for proof there was a wage garnishment. They have to keep those records. Okay. And if do. they don't have it, uh, because it sounds like they may not, because you get notice of wage, wage garnishments. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so something's going on. So you let them know, in no uncertain terms, I want the proof of the wage, uh, wage garnishment. If there is no proof, I want my money. And I mean, like now, 80 hours worth, and then go ahead and take out uh, the withholding and do the W-2. Okay. And All say right. you're going to, if not, you go to the state, go to the labor board right. and just... uh the labor board. Yeah, just put a complaint. That's all. Okay. Thank you. All right. That was easy. Hello, Patty. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Is this Bill? It is. So happy to talk to you. I love yep. your show. Yes, you do. I'm calling because approximately three years, three years, three weeks ago, during the the terrible rain that we had mm-hmm. in California, in Simi Valley, um, a tractor that belongs to uh, some people that rent the uh, the flatland behind me. I live by a, a big hill. Part of my property is a hill, and uh, the tractor got their tractor got stuck in my easement. And it caused my backyard to flood. All right. So uh, when you talk about it got left in my easement, do you own that piece of property? Yes. Okay. So it's uh, who has the easement? Uh, it's on my property, and it's there. It it's their easement. Well. Got it. It's their easement. And they left the tractor, and the tractor caused the damage to your property, correct? Yes. All right. And that's easy. Still, so you sue them. It's still stuck there. All right. Well, you then pay, tell them that you're going to pay for somebody to get the traffic tractor out of there. Okay. And you call. There are tractor removal companies. Google them under tractor removal companies. Okay. How big is the tractor? Uh, it's a pretty good size. 
the front tire, uh, the the rubber on the tire came off. It's it's hanging. I went back to the day with my grandson. Oh, I know. I understand. The tractor's not working, and they haven't gotten rid of it yet. How big is the tractor? Is it a big uh, tractor? Is it a huge tractor? Is it a small tractor? It's a medium size. So tractor. medium. So you want to look at medium tractor removing companies. Okay. All right. That and you Google that one, and uh, they are you. And you have to let them know. Do you have access to them? Uh, to the the people that have yeah the yeah the tractor no. owners. No, I don't know who owns it. You I, have no idea who owns it. Then, um, it, well, but wait a sec. Do you know the neighbors, right? Uh, I I am acquainted with. I don't know his name, but I know the okay. worker that works for the. All owner. right, you can find out. What I would do is certainly get hold of the owners and let them know in no uncertain terms. You've got a tractor on my property. Or your right. contractor has a tractor. I want it out of there. Okay. And then uh, you let them know how much it's going to cost to fix whatever damage they've done to your house, Patty. Okay. And then what you do is you let them know. Now, it may be you have to get hold of your insurance company. You want to call them up. And then they will sue the neighbors. And you have to. I, do you have an insurance agent? Uh, no, I don't. All right. Then, yeah, I wish you had an insurance agent to call. Anyway, so make a claim against their insurance because their homeowner's insurance should be able to cover it. So you okay. have to come up with uh, get rid of the tractor, and here's the amount of damage that you caused, and here's what you're going to fix it. Do you have any idea how much damage they've caused? I don't know. Uh, the fire department, 43, came two days in a row, five firemen, and uh, they they put up some some blockage because the water was coming into okay. the backyard so quickly. Are you going to get charged for that? No. You know that for a fact, that you're not going to get charged for the firefighters to come out? They didn't say anything. Well, I don't, no, no, no. Just because they don't say anything doesn't mean you don't get billed. For example, oh. uh, call call the paramedics and have them take you to uh, the nearest hospital and wait until you get a $1,200 bill from the county. Oh, wow. And okay. no one talks about, gee, we're going to send you a bill. So you've got some work yeah. ahead of you. So I would call your insurance company and say, what do I do now? You know what? That's who you want to do. Call your insurance company and call the claims department and say, what do I do? All right? Okay. All right. Sure. That was easy. This is Handle on the Law. Set me free. Saturday, and welcome back to Handle on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Carlos! Hello, Carlos. Hey. Morning. Um, I'm sorry. Um, hey, um, I have a, a question here. Um, I did a job for a friend like a few years ago, and um, and um, he, well, eventually... I, I don't live in the same area where he lives, so, you know, I need to get back over there to charge him back. Cause he said, oh, I'll pay, in, I'll pay tomorrow or whatever, or when I get paid from the job. And so eventually um, he started ignoring my phone calls. 
he didn't want to pay, and uh, that happened. Uh, Got it. Years, All right, a couple of questions. You can stop right there. How much uh, were you charging him for the work you did? About 500 All right, $500. Okay, you're within uh, the statute oh. in terms of uh, dealing with a contractor's license. You don't have to worry about that. When did you do the job? How many months, years ago, weeks ago, did you do it? Uh, probably like, uh, I don't know, some five years ago. Yeah, it's over. It's over? Oh, yeah. There's yeah, nothing. you can't. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, you can't wait. You, know, you don't come back five years later and go, hey, I rent my bill. Why would anybody wait five years? Well, I know why, because he didn't go over there and he didn't bother. And for, I understand, $500. I mean, how far do you go to get $500 unless $500 means a whole hell of a lot to you? And it depends on where where you are financially. You know, for someone who makes a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, it's not worth it. For someone who lives in a dumpster, you know, $500, you can paint the dumpster. You know, you can do a nice job. You I mean, put flowers, for example, a flower box on the end of the dumpster. You know, there's a lot you can do. You can remodel the thing. Uh, hello, is that Michael or Mitch? Mitch. I'm sorry. Hi, Mitch. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I did a refi on a condo I bought back in 2010 with a company that sounds like that uh, um, home supply company, the Popular Depot one. And they did my refi down to 3.5. They came to me and said, hey, we've got a lower rate for you. Can we refi? And I reluctantly said yes because they took a long time with my refi. Well, they blew it. They... uh, Apparently, one of the loan officers uh, walked off the job, and the thing sat for about a month, and then they blew my rate lock. Do I have any recourse? Well, and, you know, it's hard. Uh, it is. You still have your 3.5, right? Yes. Okay, and what was the rate lock that you had? 3.0, which would have saved me about $82,000 over the life of the loan. Yeah, but here's the argument is uh, your damages are not $82,000 until you keep the loan. What if you refi a year from now? What if you sell the house two years from now? Okay. Yeah, that's the problem. And, uh, you know, those are hard. Those really are hard when that happens. They make mistakes and you can show. And I don't even know how the courts deal with that, what kind of damages. How? By the way, where were you able to get a on a refi 3.0? I've never even heard of that one. Oh, even better than that, it's rental because I have it rented. Yeah, a rental 3.0? That's correct. Man, that's impressive. So uh, you can go back and ask for the uh, the same rate. And, oh, I asked already. And you can sue for specific performance, and they just suck it up. Uh, but uh, threaten, go, go get a real estate lawyer, have the real estate lawyer uh, write a letter saying uh, you guys are looking at some legal action and see what happens. Because I think uh, if there is a case there where there are some damages, for them to suck up uh, three quarters of a point over X number, how many, when you talk about over the life alone, it's a 30 year loan, right? No, it's a 15 year loan. All right. So um, what is that, $3,000 a year? Uh, what is it over 15 years? Over 15 years, it's about, about uh, $5,000 difference. It's $5,000 a year? Yep. Well, you know, uh, that's some money. Um, okay, real estate lawyer time, just to ask for uh, some information where you go. Starting with a lawyer letter, and uh, the issue is damages and how long, what the courts do if they give you 30 years, or in this case, 15 years worth of uh, the difference. And, of course, I have no idea. Because this is handle on the law 
after all. Uh, hey, Andy, welcome to uh, Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. How you doing? Yes, go okay. ahead. All right. I put out a forest fire in August of 2015 in Big Bear Lake that was going into town. I jumped up on a trail behind all my friends' houses. I've lived there for 35, 40 years. And uh, took my bulldozer and pushed all the debris, all the vegetation and everything out of the way. And, uh, of course, two hours later, the Forest Service figured out I wasn't working for them, and they asked me to leave. Well, intentionally, they cited me a ticket called Moving Features in the National Forest Systems Land, uh, CFR 36261.9. I counteracted it and said I was putting the fire out. It doesn't matter. They're going to take me to jail and do everything. But the neighborhood came down, about 15 people, and started confronting the officers. And the officers, were going, they didn't know what to do. And I said, look, just write me the ticket and I'll leave. So I packed up my low bed and my bulldozer and I left. And the Forest Service put the fire out that was going north. I stopped the fire from going south. And it took them about uh, $50 million in aircraft support, but they – were able to get it down, and Big Bear came very close to burning down. So I go to court, and I make my fight with Section 261.1, which says none of this means anything in the act of fire suppression. So the magistrate judge denies me a jury trial, even though the Forest Service wants $30,000, and the federal law says that you get a jury trial after a $20 fine or greater. And so I went ahead presented my case she wouldn't listen to me so she appointed a public defender a federal prosecutor for uh to represent me and i said but i don't need to be represented and she never ruled on my case so let's just skip some time and go through about 16 months and we finally get to trial and she comes to trial my prosecutor with four other federal attorneys wait a second you're it's not your prosecutor the prosecutor the prosecutor is against you they, they don't they don't have no no they don't have attorneys the federal government hired a prosecutor to represent me, which is an attorney. Well, it's not a pro- it wouldn't be a prosecutor. It would be a uh, you'd have a defense attorney. They were taking you to trial without right. a lawyer representing them. Correct? Right. That's weird. Okay. How do you? Yeah, go to- well, they, they, so I go to trial. Well, the, the, actually, the feds had their lawyers. Well, of course and, they did. And okay, and you had and you had a defense had attorney. A you had a defense had a attorney. Lawyer. Okay, appointed yes. by the government. Right. Okay, got it. Was, All right, got it. She was a prosecutor. And, no, and she's she not. A, maybe she's yeah. a former prosecutor, but it's a defense attorney. All right, Andy, so, so what happened so at he, trial? So we go to trial. She won't consider, my, my attorney won't consider any of my information. And finally, the day before trial, her team of people said, we're using your information. I said, what do you mean you're using my information? They said, well, you're right. I said, I know I'm right. So we went to a trial. Started ten o'clock in the morning. The judge never broke for lunch and went all the way to five in the afternoon, and she couldn't make a decision. So she took it into submission. So about three and a half weeks later, she ruled, and uh, the story's actually on a newspaper in San Bernardino called SBCSentinel.com. This is taking a, way, way too long, Andy. Right, so you got to get to the point. So what happened is they they made me not guilty. Even though the judge said right. I was guilty, okay. they made me not guilty. So my question to you was, do I have any? No. I can't get any cost That's correct. from the government. That's correct. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, if the government takes you to trial, what? Every time you lose, every time a kudo comes in, you then get your money back? Doesn't work that way. And you had a free attorney on top of that. You didn't have to pay $100,000 for an attorney like anybody else would. So good for you. All right. 
This is Handle on the Law. And welcome back to uh, KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, hello, Helen. Yes, hi. Yes. Uh, I have a question on abandoned property. Yes. Uh, the beginning of the year, my granddaughter, who is an adult, had a friend come down from Northern California. Uh, she just left this week, and while she's gone, all of her property is upstairs in boxes. How long do I have to keep it? Before all right, you have, to keep it a, you have to keep it. A, you have to keep it a reasonable time. And uh, that means, first of all, you have to let her know that she has my, stuff my left. My granddaughter's been trying to email her. Okay, then you make sure that you keep all of that together. Okay. I mean, all of the attempts to email her and everything else. And then you give her a time. You say it's going to be all gone in two weeks. It's going to be all gone in uh, a month. Okay. And then you have your choice. I think it's a, at that point, it's abandoned property, and you can do whatever the hell you want with it. But let her know. The more you let her know that it's going to be that it's abandoned, Okay, the more you attempt to reach her, the better you're going to look if she comes back. So we should do an email every day. I would do an email. And it, it, but the point is, she's moved and she doesn't have an email address anymore, or are they being delivered? Uh, as far as I know, delivered. Oh, that's great. Then you you don't have to do it every day, but you do, hey, you've got... Uh, Two weeks to pick it up, and then a week later, uh, you've got one week to pick it up. Then you go tomorrow, uh, you know, you've got three days, four days, uh, or actually three days, two days. And then throughout the whole thing, you say, I'm, I'm going to get rid of your stuff. I can't have it sit here at my house. And the more time you give her, the better it looks for you. Okay. All right? There you go. And you can sell it. And it depends on how valuable the stuff is. Usually it's crap. No one's going to leave good stuff. Uh, hello, Tim. Speaking. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Okay, I have a question about an unlawful plea agreement. Uh, I was in the uh, circuit court over in Alabama, and uh, it had to – the underlying facts were they accused me of passing a check that was bad. Uh, the check was written to me, and I didn't know it was bad. Anyway, I was sort of railroaded, I felt like, into a plea agreement where I pled to a misdemeanor. However, my question is this. Uh, one of the demands in the order from the court was that I make restitution uh, for the said bad check uh, through a bankruptcy. Is that overreaching by a state court to order? Uh, no, they can't order. They, they've ordered you to go through a bankruptcy? Uh, I'm, I'm currently in bankruptcy. No, no, but they, they order you to go through the bankruptcy. They didn't order me to oh, go Okay, through and they're, they're, all they're doing is saying the restitution comes out of your bankruptcy. Correct. Got it. Yeah, they can do that. Huh. Yeah. No, all they're saying is uh, that uh, it's a uh, part of the restitution is you're a creditor or their creditors on behalf of whoever needs restitution. And they're saying that goes in. You have to pay it through the bankruptcy. Now, if the bankruptcy court says no, uh, the bankruptcy court has uh, the uh, the total jurisdiction to say, no, it's not coming out of the bankruptcy court. But, Tim, it doesn't change that you still owe the restitution. Uh, agree. Yeah, agree. you still owe it come hell or high water. So it's not the judge who's making that uh, that decision for the bankruptcy court. It's up to the bankruptcy court to decide whether you pay it through the bankruptcy or not. Well, okay, which brings me to the other end of the question. Uh, the bankruptcy court says that you cannot uh, include a proper criminal debt in a bankruptcy. Okay, then it's uh, done. Then you can't. There's no, then no. You're finished. That's all. 
Uh, it, tr- the bankruptcy judge is a federal judge Correct. who has total superseding power over any state judge. Okay. All right, so that's an easy one. By the way, how much money are we talking about? Uh, $2,700. All right, so you get to figure out a way to pay $2,700. All right. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. All right, Howard, you're up. Hello. Hey, Bill, I have a three-plex that I own down in uh, Southern California, and I had a tenant call me the other day and say that there was a uh, city inspector snooping around my property. Uh, I had a camera, identified himself, and said he wanted to get access into one of my units. Uh, nobody uh, nobody let him in, but I'm, I'm curious, what uh, what rights do I have as an owner and what rights do my tenants have not to let somebody in? No, if he asks, if there is an issue with a safety issue, uh, and uh, the building inspectors say, we've got a problem, we think there's a gas uh, issue or there's uh, something going on that's reasonable, uh, he can actually ask to go in. And you, Okay, you what have... it is, we, we had a little rain damage, we're replacing some drywall, we're doing a little work, we're painting, and uh, I, I'm not sure, we, we don't have any other complaints, uh, although it's obvious that we're doing a little bit of work to the unit. Well, it um, could be, you know what, here's the problem, do you need a permit to do that? And are they allowed to go in and say, you need a permit? They are. Now, they can't just break in as if we have a warrant to come in and just smash on the door. But they have a right to do that. So if my tenants say, no, I I can't let let you in. Then they have to go get a, a, a warrant. I, I they they would, but they would. Uh, there's no issue. They would, and there may be criminal violation. It's not just a warrant to go in. Uh, not allowing a building inspector who is going in legitimately uh, that may be a criminal violation. Well, I guess that's my question: is what makes it legitimate? I mean, is, the, what right makes it legitimate is for them to go into a building to inspect it. To find out if there's a safety issue, to find out if uh, there is uh, something being built in there that needs a permit that are not, that effectively without a permit, that's an illegal building that's going on. And that's exactly what they inspect uh, inspect for. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they have a right to do that. Now, uh, you can say, I'll give it tomorrow, you can't come in right now, but they make appointments to go in anyway. Well, that, that's the thing. There was no appointment. Did uh, they go in? Uh, no, no, no. Nobody knew. Uh, okay. Very protective. They, they All right. So no out. harm. So no harm, no foul. They'll call you. You'll get a phone call or a letter saying we want to go in. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Eh, reasonable question. You know, it's uh, uh, and it is your property, but they have the right. For example, you argue. Let's say you're doing something that is not only illegal; it's unsafe. You're taking out bearing walls because you're remodeling and uh, opening up a space. And now you've put everybody in that in that building at risk for the damn thing collapsing. Does the city have the ability to go in and check for that? Well, yeah. I mean, they have to know about it. I mean, someone has to say. Usually it's carports that are illegal or it's structures where your neighbor hates you, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Okay, this is Handle on the Law.
KFI AM 640, Bill Handel on a uh, Saturday morning. Our weekend lineup is following this show, 11 to 2 o'clock. Well, we're on to 11. Uh, Leo Laporte, who's on tomorrow, today and tomorrow. And then uh, my friend Neil Savedra with the Fork Report, All Things Food. And did I eat with Neil this week? I did. Uh, we do it virtually every week. And uh, that's from 2 to 5. Mo Kelly is from uh, 6 to 8 o'clock every Saturday and Sunday. And then Monique Marvez tonight, followed by Brian Suits with The Dark Secret Place, 10 to midnight. Uh, tomorrow morning, it starts with Elizabeth Espinosa, 5 to 6. Uh, Jesus, uh, one of the most unique shows in radio, if not the most unique show. And then uh, right after Jesus, uh, Dean Sharp, the home show, or home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. And then Leo. So that's our lineup. Did you write that down? And I did that from memory, incidentally. Uh, how many months did it take me? How many years did it take me to do this from memory? Usually it's written on a board in front of me. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. We are in uh, the middle of this LGBT business uh, with states passing laws that out-and-out discriminate against LGBT people on the basis that a discrimination uh, against people who are queer, right, who are transgender, who are lesbian folks, based on religious beliefs, uh, the states are saying that's legitimate. And in uh, one state that's going up to the court, it has to do with the baker. I think it was Colorado Baker who won't uh, bake for uh, gay couples, saying that he so believes that gay that uh, getting gay married is uh, anathema to God. Uh, therefore, on his religious beliefs, he cannot bake a cake for gay couples. He's going to lose that, by the way, in the Supreme Court. Well, this one is uh, the North Carolina business when we're talking about restrooms. And the law in certain states, really starting with North Carolina, is that uh, they do not want bathrooms to be used by kids or people based on gender identity. They said, uh, these laws say, whatever's on your birth certificate, that's your gender and that's the bathroom you use. Even if someone is in the middle of a, a, a transition, for example, uh, you have a guy who dresses a woman who already has the breast, the homo- hormone therapy, all of it, and may even have already transitioned. Nope, here's your birth certificate and you are a guy and we don't care what you look like. And it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. And so those are the laws that are being passed. Well, and California, incidentally, which, of course, is at the forefront of uh, the progressive, and you put that in quotes depending on which way you look at it, is California has said uh, that uh, Mississippi, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Kansas are states that have passed these anti-gay, these discriminatory, uh, discriminatory laws. And therefore, taxpayer dollars cannot be spent. We will not do business with those states in California. There will be no business travel to those states. Effectively, no California connection with those states. Well, they just added Texas, Alabama, and Kentucky. And this is breaking down around the country big time. Now, the court is the Supreme Court is going to nail all of that, and they're going to rule that all of that discrimination. And I'm telling you, it's discrimination. Now, whether it's 
religiously based, and you can argue that, well, my religious beliefs don't allow me to help gay people in these circumstances, particularly gay marriage. That's discrimination. I mean, that's outright discrimination. The point is, is it allowed by the law? Is your religious belief, does your religious belief override the discriminatory aspects of the law or your ability to discriminate? If you're a baker and you say, I'm not going to bake for a, for a gay marriage, of course you're discriminating against gay people. Now your argument is, I'm allowed to because of my religious beliefs. So that's where it's all going. And my guess is since the Supreme Court has already ruled that, ruled that gay marriage is a fundamental right, man, you can argue religious belief all you want, and it's going to go no place. Let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Oh, God, how many people we have? Uh, here we go. Uh, Perlene, do I have that right? Perlene? Hi, Perlene. Yes, yes. Hi, my question is, we have discovered that a sister is collecting rent and has so for over 25 years regarding a property that belongs to all the siblings, and we thought that she had inherited, and that is not the case. So we are at the point now of we have an attorney of uh, handling that, but we want to know if it is considered blackmail to ask her to remove herself from the joint uh no not at all no 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 not at all well yeah as far as the on the deed it's not blackmail it's uh well if you're saying either you remove yourself as an owner of the property or we are going to go after you that's extortion yeah that's what i wanted to yeah know. that's blackmail okay then the second part we it's two properties uh and she is saying was saying that this aunt left her that property, which we found out through property search, that she did not. Okay, who owns so, the property then? I'm sorry, it belongs to all of us as siblings. All right. Yes. And so she rented it and kept the money. Why didn't anybody check to see it? Was there a will? Uh, we thought that there was a will, but uh, there was, but it had a stipulation regarding who died first, my dad or his sister. Yeah, that yeah. You, that you, it's usually the case. But so uh, what ended up happening? What did the will say and who was the, the executor? The will said that it belongs to all of us. Got it. We just recently found Got that. Got it. And who is uh, who was the executor of the will? Uh Actually, she was the executor. Okay, of, and she never, and there was, it's an open, by the way, the will is a public, uh, is a public document. Well, the fact is, it was my thought, my dad died first, he had a will, my mother did not have a will, and that's where the confusion came it's in. It's not even a question of confusion, it's real simple. You read the will, and you see what, how it, the property is transferred. Anyway, you guys screwed up. Now, if you can argue that she did this purposely to, to keep you from getting money, uh, and it, it, you try to think it's a criminal offense, and part of it is restitution, but it's not going to be. It's going to be a civil issue, and you get to sue her and have uh, the property transferred into uh, your name, that is all of your name, as uh, probably tenants in common. And uh, you can ask uh, that someone else be put in charge of renting it. I mean, the courts will clearly give you... Uh, another executor. Now we want her not to have any interest. You can't in do that. We can't do no, that. You'd ha- no, you no, you can't. All you can do is sue her for the money that she screwed you out of. Okay, but we can't ask her for an action. You can ask her, but if she says no, what are you going to do? Shoot her? 
The well, court, the no, courts, the courts, no, the court, no, 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 the okay. courts don't uh, uh, unown people. They still uh, own. So, uh, no, you can't just say, okay, you screwed us. You're no longer the owner of the property. It doesn't work that way. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back. And welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Dave, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Um, I had a quick question regarding a, a car towing issue. Um, so my car was towed because I was an idiot and I parked in uh, a wrong spot without looking. Um, so I went to the, the place to pick it up, and when I get it, there is a large scratch down the left side, okay. and then on the front Here, fender, okay. there's another one. Enough oh, said. They're liable. Here's your problem, is you are taking it. them to small claims court for the damage, because right. clearly they're responsible, and they're going to say, you know what? When we picked it up, it was already there, Dave. That was my question, essentially, that when I... Uh, at, at, like I haven't gone to small claims court yet. I haven't actually filed for it yet. But if I when I do, how do I essentially? Say that? Because my assumption and also going in there is that their uh, their places definitely got video. Obviously, yeah. You'll so have to subpoena. You'll have to subpoena. It. But you don't know. That may not help you. That may help them. Because what if the damage happened while they picked up the car? Oh uh, yeah, you, you see, uh, and so uh, you now you can still subpoena uh, the video that they have it to check, but in the end, it's going to be you have to prove that they damaged the car, not just well, it's damaged, and now I want to blame them. Now, a judge may believe right. you in small claims. I mean, the judge may have been screwed by towing companies before, and he's going to go for you come hell or high water. Uh, how much damage are you talking about, Dave? Money wise? Um. Well. I'm not positive. I'm not a mechanic, but the auto body guy that I looked at said it would basically be around eight or nine hundred. Okay, there's your lawsuit. It's very, yeah, it's a very large scratch, basically. Okay, I get it. Fender. No, I get it. It's yeah, so okay. it, there's your lawsuit. Eight nine hundred dollars to fix it. Okay. Okay, so you can also go to your own insurance company, but for eight nine hundred dollars, first of all, your deductible is probably yeah, my deductible is going to be about four hundred. Yeah, Dan, so do you want do you want to put for four hundred dollars? Do you want to claim against your insurance? Maybe. Do you have an insurance agent? I do, yes. Call the insurance agent and find out if uh, if you uh, tag it for uninsured. Let's say you take these guys to court. and uh, Or instead of going to court, you get insurance to pay for 400 and then you go to the judge. There's a bunch of different ways of doing it. I would suck it up. I mean, I would, I would, I would I'd suck it up in terms of my uh, going to the insurance company. That's not enough for me to make a claim because I believe insurance is catastrophic, and that's it. And I have a thousand dollars deductible. Uh, it's oh, wow. when it's when there's twenty thousand dollars damage or eight thousand dollars damages when you go. But you've got uh, so here are your choices: you take them to small claims court. Yeah, maybe you win, maybe you lose, and you still go against your own insurance company after the fact. And you want to make okay. sure with your agent that there's not going to be a downside. Are you going to be dinged because you made a claim? And if you are going to be dinged, that is not worth a four hundred dollar claim. Course, yeah, of course not. Okay, yeah, no. So there um, it is. Those are your answers. Okay, Guillermo. Hello, Guillermo. Hello. Yes. 
How does one go about having a marriage annulled? First of all, you apply for it. So how do you do that? uh, Well, it's just like a divorce decree. And you're just and you're asking for an annulment instead of a divorce. And then you have to. to Yeah, the court. Just pull it out. You put it off the Internet. It's it's okay. a regular court filing. It's just like a uh, it, it's just like a divorce, except the word is annulment. Now there are certain things that you have to meet a standard. Divorce is easy. Divorce is I just want to get divorced, and there's nothing to say. Now the basis for annulments are fraud. Uh, what else? Uh, fraud, non consummation of marriage. But then if you put a a religion in there and it's Jewish, you don't have to worry about that because then it becomes non-grounds anyway because after marriage, it's a whole thing. Uh, So you've got non-consummation. You have fraud. I can't think of anything else. Uh, There are a couple of other ones, but you have to allege those. And it's – yeah, and you sort of have to prove it. You can't just allege it. Why don't you get – let me – why don't you just get a divorce? What difference does it make? Well – I thought that an annulment was easier. No, no, no. A divorce is easier. Oh, I see. Yeah, a divorce is easier. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, divorce is, I mean, the grounds for divorce is simply irreconcilable differences. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're done. That's the easiest thing in the world. Just get divorced. You hate her? She hates you? What difference does it make? But on the annulment, how would you How would you uh, prove... Um, not, no, not no consummation. Yeah, well, and here's the problem: if she comes in and says we screwed like crazy, we were like little bunnies, and so yeah. she can contest it. She can't contest that you don't want to be married to her anymore. That's a no fault state. We're a no fault state. You just they can't stop you. you. Just go because it's irreconcilable differences. I hate her. Doesn't even put a reason. You're ugly. I don't care. Doesn't matter, right? No. How long okay. have you been, how, Guillermo? How long have you been married? Oh, three months. Now that is grounds for an annulment. <laughs> three months of marriage. You, I think you that that is another one is duration of the marriage. Right. That may work, but get divorced, Guillermo. It's so much easier. Okay. All right. I would thank you for saying that because you know that that's the other one. If you get married, you're in Las Vegas, you're drunk, and you wake up one morning and you realize uh, that wasn't, you didn't go to see an Elvis show last night, you went to see an Elvis preacher last night, and you ended up getting married, and you sort of, hey, I thought it was a show. Uh, no, 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 we went to a chapel, actually. Uh, is that grounds for annulment? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is Handle on the Law. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Neil. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm a cigar smoker, and I've been in my apartment for uh, about nine years, and I just got a letter from uh, our landlord saying that they are converting the entire property to smoke-free, 
No smoking of any kind permitted anywhere on the property after 30 days. Okay, and, but but inside your apartment also? Inside the yeah, apartment. They can't, they, yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't. They, a patio, they can say something. But on in your apartment, they really can't. Now, the only argument they can make is that you smoking a cigar makes uh, your neighbor's uh, habitability impossible. In other words, it's so disgusting uh, that mm. it becomes impossible to live next to you. But if you've been there for nine years, yeah, my brother's a cigar smoker, and it's just I go into his car, and when I leave, I have to actually dry clean my clothes. I, the only place I smoke is on my patio. Uh, and they, there's an argument there. They can say the property is non-smoking mm-hmm. if uh, the smoke gets in there. Then the argument is private property. It's uh, Yeah, I think they can say on the patio is non-smoking. I think they can. So and see, you know what you do? You put in a super powerful fan in your bathroom and just sit on the toilet and smoke. Yeah, well, I guess that might be the only option. Yeah, but, that uh, may very well be the only option. Uh, Luckner. Hello, Luckner. Yes, sir. Yes, please. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I got a check from the uh, from the insurance company. The check is a long time ago, 15 years ago, because my kid took the check they put in with the trash. But the check is still brand new. It was an envelope, never been opened. When I find it, I'm opening it. It's a $500 check sent from my name from the insurance company. Is it is it claim draft check? Is it what? Claim draft. It's a claim draft. Okay. And yes. your your question is Can I can I just go in the bank, catch the check? Now, what is the title of this show, Luckner? Oh, it's the title of the Yeah, show. what's the title of my show? What 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 do I call my show? Oh, end the show. That's right. No, I call it the handle show. Correct. And then, how do I describe the show? I am you the right lawyer. Okay. Yeah. No, I am the lawyer. Let me tell you the way I describe this show. Yes, sir. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case, and the only difference here is this isn't marginal. Fifteen years. Okay. Louise, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Hello. Yes, yes ma'am. Um, could you tell me what happens to my credit card debt when I pass away? Is your name Louise? Pardon? Y- you're Louise? Yeah. <laughs> I've you, heard Lu- that for how, 50 years. Yeah, how long have you been smoking, Louise? How much, you know, your entire well, life? I quit. 40, 30-some years ago. Well, it certainly... I've always had a deep voice. Yeah, boy, no kidding. Hello, (laughs) my name is Louise. Fascinating. (laughs) All right, so a couple things happen. Uh, When the credit card... uh, When you die, usually the credit card dies... uh, Credit card debt dies with you. And so unless you have enough money in your estate that the credit card, the creditor can go after the money in your estate because you owe the money Uh and it uh, passes to whether you're dead or not, you actually owe the money. But realistically, eh, it depends on how much money and whether you have assets if they find out. Uh, What are we talking about in terms of money? Uh, You mean how much? Yeah, how much you owe, yeah. About $50,000. $50,000. And do you have any assets? Yes. Well, uh, and uh, what kind of assets do you have? Two properties and cash. Uh, they it may be worth it for them to uh, do an investigation. So, 
Yeah, yeah, maybe they can go after it. I mean, theoretically. Well, let me put it this way. When you die, uh, legally, you're dead. And your debt may not be. Actually, it isn't, but it's usually a case of whether they're going to collect. Let's say you owe $2,000, $3,000, $5,000. They're not going to touch it. You know, it's not worth it. But for fifty grand, they are probably going to do an asset check, which doesn't take very long, finding out that in addition to a very deep voice, you also own a couple pieces of property and that you have money in the bank. How much money in the bank are we talking about, Louise? A lot. <laughs> how much I is, just how don't much? believe in paying credit cards off. I always have, have paid them monthly. Yeah, I get it. But, Louise, let's talk about the morals. You've borrowed the money. Why shouldn't they get it back? Oh, oh! I was just wondering what happened. Ah, like, okay. What, what, what wonder? Happened? What, what if my heirs take the money? They don't. Oh. For, no, first creditors are. Uh, they have first call to it way before your beneficiaries. Well, first, is, first are your taxes that you owe. Well, actually, first your burial expenses. Then come taxes. Then come creditors. With secured creditors being first, and then come general creditors, and then come beneficiaries. Well, I have a trust. Couldn't my uh... Dad, if it's a revocable if it's a revocable trust, they can go right into it. Well, uh, but my heirs couldn't get the money first. Yeah, no, 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 no. The trustee would be in a lot of trouble if that happened that way. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sorry. You actually owe the money. I know that's a killer, Louise. You know, <laughs> borrowing money. That maybe that's why you have so much money in the bank because you borrowed money and kept it and never paid it off. That's not a bad way to do it, is it? Hello, Mike. Yo. Yes. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Hey. Uh. Uh. I got. A, I'm in a family trust, man, and my brother's kind of a dirtbag. He's a narcissistic sociopath. Oh, I have one of those at home. Yeah. Oh, you love him, man. Okay. Mom, mom, mommy paid to get his uh, Nazi tattoos removed. Oh, you know? that's lovely. Okay. So, fair enough. Knowing your story, anyway. Yeah. Um, well, like I'm not even getting a copy of the family trust from his this woman attorney. She won't give me one, or she wants. And I refuse to pay it. Uh, how much money are we talking about, Mike, that you're looking at? Well, I got a CD, and last time I looked, my mom had two of them. One was mine from a house. It was about, oh, about 265000 And how many beneficiaries are there? Uh, I believe just me. And me. Or, well, yeah. yeah, just me. I know about it. Mike, me. Mike, why don't, you, why don't you spend $300 to get a copy of it all? It, it, it's worth it by a long shot. Yeah, spend three for God's sake. Spend three hundred dollars. Three hundred. Three hundred dollars. If you're talking about a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar trust of which you're the beneficiary, and it's cost you three hundred dollars to find out whether or not your brother is screwing you, come on, yeah. Mike. Well, I don't. I just don't like her. You know, I, I, I don't care. I don't care yeah. if you like her or not. But I'm it's living a, in a van down by the river. Oh, you know? you're living in a van and you're homeless and looking at $250,000 and you don't want to spend $300. Yeah, I'm a bonehead. Yeah, you are a bonehead. Uh, and, oh, my God. And If you don't have any money, go out and hook. Become a male hooker. Although, the way Mike sounds, I think it would take him a long, long time to get to raise $300, don't you think? This is Handle on the Law. Bill Handle here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Fabiola, hello. Welcome to Handle on the Law. 
Hi, good morning. Yes, Thanks ma'am. Taking my phone call. Sure. Sure. I'm a faithful listener to the show every day. Uh, thank um, you, as well you should. All right, what can I do for you, Fabiola? Yes, I have a question. Um, my sister and husband and I, we bought a property together in a duplex. She lives with her, with her ex-husband. They used to live on the front and I used to live on the back duplex. But they just recently got divorced. So as you know, with divorce goes, they want to fight for everything. So I wanted to know, is there anything that I, because he wants us to buy him out, but I wanted to know if I have any, like, if, if I have more share to the property. Well, hold on. How is, so let's talk about how the property is held, uh, uh, Fabiola. Mm-hmm. To the, the, what does the deed say on the property? Well, I'm on title. Okay, who else is on title? And it's. Just me and my sister and her husband. Her okay, ex- all three of you are on title. Three of us are on title. Okay, so we have to assume, and that's tenants in common, so it's three people owning the entire property. And it's not broken down into someone owns 25%, someone owns 45%, correct? Well, it's that's, just, that's what I wanted to know. No, no, it, does, it doesn't say okay, anything like not, that on the deed, correct? No, it's not. Okay, so each of you no. own a third of the property. And yes. you you want more than a third? The thing is, because when we bought the property, I paid I paid more. Got it. I no, I understand that. No, uh, I get that. And there is a uh, uh, there's a concept in the law that may help you, and it's called too bad. Okay. Uh, unless you had a deal going uh, where you have a, a contract that says I get uh, X number of dollars back when we want this, when the property is sold, or you owe me this. And not only that, let me make it even better for you, Fabiola. Uh, Fabiola. He has the right to say either you pay me, uh, you you buy me out, or we're, I'm going to force the sale of the property. Yeah, that's that's what I, I wanted to find out. Yeah, I think that's what he wants to do. Yeah, he can do it. He can do it unless you pay him out. So there you go. Well done. And oh, good, you have no case. Boy, that gets me excited, isn't it? I love that. George, hello, George. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, hi there, Bill. Question is this: I've been working for a guy, um, a residential home, private homes that he owns. He owns various homes for a while. He's getting up in he's up in age, and he's got Alzheimer's now. And his children got involved, and it's not going good with the kids. They're just waiting for him to fall down and pass away and cash out. Uh, looks like I'm going to be uh, not getting paid for all the work that I've done for him. Uh, wait, uh, well, how much work have you done, and over what period of time? I've done a lot of work in a period. I've been with him for over thirteen years, and you have not been paid for a lot of the work that you did. Correct. Well, I've been paid for some, but so not how do you work for thirteen years for someone and not get the full amount of money that you're supposed to get? Uh, I live on the property on one of the properties. That okay. So, uh, is have you you get in some kind of a deal where he gives you free rent, and then the balance you, you get the money? Yeah. I mean, has there ever been a deal for that? Yeah, that's a verbal deal, but I know verbal doesn't count in real estate. Right. Yeah, I know it doesn't. But uh, at the same time, uh, do you now think that you should get more money? Yeah, I think uh, all, basically all the way around. Okay, got- well, I'm glad to hear that, but you don't have any agreement, right? Uh, yes, not in writing. Okay, well, but uh, he's Alzheimer's. He has Alzheimer's, so uh, he's not going to be able to answer uh, in terms of uh, you saying this is what happened. And uh, there's no refutation, or he can't back him up. So it's just you saying it with no right. proof whatsoever. Yeah, but okay. I, I, I overstated that. He's got, like, full Alzheimer's. He doesn't. He's got beginning. All right. And what is he going to say when you, for example, sue him for money? He's going to okay. say, you're right, George. I have underpaid you for all these years? Yeah. 
I think he would. Okay. Well, you see how far back you can go. There's a statute issue, and so you have to sue him. First of all, you want to make a a claim against him at the labor board uh, with the state, and then you can sue him for whatever you think you, uh, he owes you, and then you can only back uh, – you can probably go back three years or four years or something, whatever the statute is. And if he says, that's right, I owe George some money, uh, then he has to pay you. Okay, can I follow up? Sure. Okay, um, let's just say the, he passes away um, within this time. And I heard on your show a while back that there's a certain word, or a real estate attorney you referred somebody to, but I couldn't remember the precise terminology that you used, that there is something that, like, it's not a mechanical lien like a contractor, but there's... Like oh, a, a lawsuit in equity for uh, doing work. It's unjust enrichment, I think, is what you're talking about, where they got the benefit of your work or what you put in. Uh, that's either him or his heirs, and you never got paid for it. Correct. Okay, what was, good. What was that again? It's called unjust enrichment, or even better, uh, you'll never get any money for unjust enrichment, I think is a legal concept. Okay. Okay, there you go. Nice talking to you. Uh, that's another one. Ed, this is getting really good. Hello, Ed. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Couldn't uh, find a lawyer that wouldn't charge me to do their research on a question regarding the supermarket there's a particular supermarket doing a contest. Yep. Giving free things away in in some cases. So I get this one uh, little certificate that says uh, I win a free picture frame of some sort. I have to call the company that manufactures it to claim the prize because they're working in conjunction with the supermarket. And they're telling me, yeah, the picture frame is free, but I have to pay shipping and handling. Okay. So I thought there was a Federal Trade Commission law passed not too long ago, or maybe a long time ago, that if something's marked free, it has to be free with no strings attached. Well, uh, not I, I don't think that's the case, and even if it is the case, there are contest rules, Ed, that apply to every contest, mm-hmm. and look at the small print. Well, they did point out to the rules, but I thought... Uh, I not that I don't know. Uh, Ed, I don't, it does, but I, I don't know that that's in case, and if, if that's the case, because I don't know of any law you're talking about. And if you're talking about a major supermarket chain, I don't think they would print up something that's in violation of law. Now, they, miss, uh, they may ignore the law, but they're not going to say right on the document, uh, you pay for shipping and handling when it is illegal to pay for it. Well... Whether a rule overrides No, it doesn't. Law. The federal law overrides it. All yeah. I'm saying is that there is uh, that I don't think they would write down something that is in pure violation of federal law, saying here, here are the rules. And uh, by the way, even though it's against federal law, which we have to comply with, we're still going to nail you for it, effectively, is what you're saying. Yeah. So the answer is to you is you couldn't get a lawyer to give you that information. So for free, you got crap information. It's, right. it's, yeah, you get what you pay for in life. It's not that complicated, is it? All right, this is Handle on the Law.
AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday, uh, 6 to 11 o'clock, every Saturday, five hours. Wow, that's a lot. And after this show, you have three hours of Leo Laporte, the tech guy. And then after that, starting at 2, it's uh, the Fork Report with Neil Saavedra and then Mo Kelly tonight from 6 to 8 o'clock. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. I have told you about how crazy Israel is. Israel's a theocracy. It's uh, a Jewish state. And uh, the official religion is uh, Judaism. Now, that's not to say that other religions aren't allowed. It's a very First Amendment kind of country that obviously all religions are allowed to be practiced freely, unlike other theocracies, as in Arab states, where God help you if you're Jewish or you're Coptic or they just don't were Catholic. How many Catholic churches do you think are in Saudi Arabia? Uh, Not too many. So uh, Israel has its own rules. And because of the politics of Israel, it's a parliamentary system, and there's no such thing as a majority. There's so many parties. What happens is uh, whoever gets the most votes, the party, the party leader has to cobble together various other parties to create a majority, therefore continue with the government. Well, the religious parties, the super religious, you know, the right wing parties, the, the fundamentalist religion ones, the ones with the beard and the payas and the hats, and those are the women, uh, are they, they put in rules of Judaism uh, across the entire country and people cave into them because they have the power and they don't care about politics. All they're interested in is their fundamentalist rules. I mean, that's what they're there for. So one of the rules, one of the customs of Judaism is men and women can't sit together. You know, can't dance together, can't do any of that stuff. They're kind of nuts. And so uh, what used to happen if you had an Orthodox man getting on an LL flight and a woman was seated next to him or did sit next to him, he could ask that woman to be moved. I don't want to sit next to a woman. It's immodest. It's against Jewish law. And they would move the woman. Well, a lawsuit was filed by a Rene Rabinowitz, uh, an 83-year-old Holocaust survivor. This woman was sitting in business class on a flight from the U.S. to Israel when a flight attendant asked her to change because the religious man in the next seat didn't want to sit next to her. And this is a long string of cases. So she sued. And the Supreme Court of Israel sided with her and said the policy of moving female passengers was a direct transgression of the law preventing discrimination because they have anti-discrimination laws. It's a first world country. They're a democracy just like we are, except it's it's an official religion, much like England. England also has a state religion. We're not allowed to have one. I mean, right in our Constitution, uh, you know, Congress uh, cannot, uh, you know, establish any religion. Well, England, there's an official religion, the Anglican religion, the Church of England, of which the Queen is the defender of the faith. But they, you can, obviously, you can have any religion you want in England. So uh, the Supreme Court of Israel said, you're done. You can't do that. And if you have an Orthodox man who wants not to sit next to a woman, move. Just start moving around. And what if it's business class? Oh, my goodness. And that's the only seat. Too bad. Then get off the airplane. It's not that complicated. Or ask someone else. Now, if a religious man were to ask me to move, I'd tell him to go pound sand. I'd love to see the outcome of that one. I'm not moving. But God will punish you. I hope so. I'm not moving. 
but it's a sin. Great. Couldn't care less. And so now we're talking about the Supreme Court of Israel. Uh, This is not particularly a political organization. And the ultra-Orthodox parties can't argue, well, gee, then we're going to force your government. We're going to pull out of uh, the government and force the government to collapse. And you'll have to find some other party. There's nothing they can do. Can you imagine in this day and age, 2017, and they're still deciding stuff like this? That's how crazy fundamentalist insert name of religion is here. And I don't care what it is. They're all nuts. All right, let's take some phone calls. Uh, Hello, Mario. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Hi, Bell. Uh, Love your show. Um, So my question is, uh, about four years ago, a debt collector... uh, said that I owed a uh, debt for HSBC and uh, that it was uh, $2,000. So I went ahead and uh, said, well, I, you know, I want to fix it, get it on my, on my, uh, on my credit. So um, I went ahead and, and paid it off. And two years ago, uh, two years ago later, uh, I got a call from another debt collector saying that I still owed it. And I said, well, no, I paid it off. So I went ahead and called uh, back to the Brockfield Law Group to ask for my uh, receipt that I paid my settlement in full. I went ahead and got it emailed uh, to me. And when I looked it up, it it had a different name, same first name, different last name. Got it. Okay, uh, so the money was paid to the wrong person. Yes. Okay, um, so uh, a couple of questions. I mean, this is easy. Uh, Has it been over four years? Uh, it was in 2012. Okay, hold on. Has it been over four years? That's all I want to know. Uh, yes. You're screwed, okay, on getting your money back. Now, uh, the people that want the money now, uh, I'm assuming that has been over four years, correct? Yes. All right, then you know, no one has to pay anybody. They can't sue you. You can't sue the person you paid it to. And the only thing you have to worry about is getting dinged on your credit. And uh, you simply say, hey, you're past the statute, you're done, and if you ding my credit, number one, I'm going to refute it, and number two, I'm going to sue you for dinging my credit on a bill that I no longer can get sued for. The problem, Mario, is you still owe the money. Yes. They just can't sue you for the money. And I don't know the rules of uh, credit reporting, whether they can still report you as owing the money even though they're past the statute. And you may want to call one of the credit reporting agencies. Okay. All right. That's easy. And I don't know if you call one of the credit reporting agencies. They report you for calling them regarding a bill that you owe. And it's, yeah, whatever. And it's, that's a drag when you pay the wrong person. I can see him being screwed up. Because, hey, you paid it. There it is. Yeah, it's done. And two years later, or in this case, four years later, they call up. So it's kind of a weird story. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. All right, Scott. Hello. Yes. Yes. My question is relating to employee reimbursement of expenses. Now, I do materials testing. I go out. I take samples. I do inspections. I carry 
test equipment or pick up samples that I, I've taken and, you know, transport them back for testing and everything else like this. And I had thought, well, several of us have thought for a while now that this year, 54 cents a mile is the federal rate, which is what the companies do it. And okay. it's expected that I use my truck for work. Okay. And it's not a question of if or, or I don't, you know, if I don't do it, it's no work. Yeah. And I'm wondering how I can turn around and like work up a spreadsheet or something else like this to turn around and kind of get an idea of what the actual costs are. It doesn't matter what the actual costs are, Scott. It could cost okay. you a, it could cost you a dollar a mile and they're saying we pay 54 cents. That's the IRS. Uh, that is what the IRS pays, and that's what we pay. We don't care if it costs you $2 a mile. Here's your choice. You quit, Scott. You work for someone else. Or you buy one of those high-mileage uh, little Japanese, although now everybody makes those really small pickup trucks. But legally speaking, Scott, uh, they don't have to do anything more than that. They're not paying you uh, actual expenses, because here's the question, Scott. What if someone does have one of those that gets 35 miles to uh, the gallon, and yours, because you get a big, honking, uh, massive truck, you get 12 miles or 10 miles. Do you get uh, do you get the dollar and a half mile, and the other guy gets uh, 35 cents or the, uh, the 54 cents, the minimum uh, IRS mileage? Where do you go with that? I can understand that. Yeah. So uh, the answer is now you can you can ask. I would actually probably pay you uh, reasonable mileage. I and mean, if you got one of those ten mile an hour trucks, I'd go. You're crazy. I'm not going to pay more than that. But if uh, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, that's not true. I'd pay fifty four cents a mile until you go quit. Yeah. Yeah. It, All right. Well, it's no, a pain. Yeah. So you're done. So you have no case. Thank you very much. Deborah, hello, Deborah. Hello. Yes. Hi. Uh, I have a question. Yes. My grandson's two years old, just potty training, and he was on a very expensive uh, toilet seat made, made by a big name manufacturer, and it had like a three seat for adults, and another one came down, and then a potty chair for boys with a little cup. Anyway, he was sitting on the potty, and he bent forward. And his penis got sliced on the cup, mm. severely sliced. Mm. Um, now, we're talking about a two-year-old boy, so it doesn't take much, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, it's probably about a half-inch cut. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, we had to go to the hospital. Doctor said it could probably take two stitches because of the trauma. They, they glued it. So, anyway, we did contact a lawyer. We haven't heard anything back. I'm wondering if we should go for um, the... Um, but, but that, we don't know if there's permanent damage. I know. Yeah, but you're not going to know if there's permanent damage. That's for starters. Second of all, Deborah, I think there are all kind of defenses here on behalf of the manufacturing company. First of all, starting uh, with uh, the, what religion are the was uh, the par- uh, the parents? By the way, Deborah. Christian. They're crazy. See, that, so here's so here's the defense: is that you were converting the kid into Judaism. No, good. No, okay. That I think it's a good defense, personally, but so be it. Uh, the, the The problem is, is that the damages are not enormous. If you're talking about a, a a slice penis, and okay, a couple of stitches, and even if scarring occurs or a little bit of scarring, 
uh, you know, it, it's on your it's on the penis unless there's enough there that you can start arguing that when he is older, it's going to get in the way of uh, his uh, sexual feelings or uh, it's going to be uh, when he takes his penis out of his pants uh, to the zipper is going to be caught up on the zipper is more likely to. Now, I'm just going crazy with all of the potential uh, reasons why this would happen. But uh, a, a two year old doesn't have much trauma when you're talking about. The, uh, a penis being sliced to the point where you need a couple of stitches to. Well, he didn't want to get back on the potty. Okay, so you get rid of the, so you undo the potty, so you do something else in the potty. I mean, well, it's what a, about my biggest concern is if this happened to him, how do we know this didn't happen to other children? Well, you, that's your biggest concern. You're more concerned about what other kids are than your than your grandson. Some other kid didn't get his cut off. I mean, uh, you know, well, you don't know. But how about this? Uh, the fact that you don't know. Why don't you do? Why don't you take out an ad? Oh, this is a good idea. Uh, you live where, Deborah? Uh, San Diego. San Diego. Why don't you take out a full-page ad in the San Diego Tribune and say, <laughs> has this ever happened to you? Because I am prepared to spend thousands and thousands of dollars out of my money to make sure it never happens to you. And by the way, if it does, you won't be able to get a lawyer either. Right. Yeah. Well, isn't there a lot of things are made specifically for a child yeah yeah they screw you know they screwed up okay they have a bad product so you write to them and you say hey you submit your medical bills and you 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 say hey stop it and you hope they uh you hope that they in fact uh uh, recall it. You go to the uh, authorities. You go to the FTC and say, hey, here's the problem. Hopefully they do an investigation and tell the manufacturer, hey, you've got to recall it. There's a whole bunch of things to do here. But uh, for you to make sure that nobody else or to stop other people from doing it, I hope you're prepared to spend at least tens of thousands of dollars to protect the penises of other little boys. Because I know that's important. <laughs> I grew up with handsome men. I don't know. I might want to protect them. Okay, then go ahead. I mean, there's no problem with that. You know, spend the money. Just call the San Diego Tribune. Find out what full-page ads cost. Because you can't just do it once. You really want to cover the population. You have to do it several times. Maybe go on television. Maybe you get a local TV reporter to pick it up. And actually do a video. Footage at 11. We'll show you how a potty seat can really ruin your child's life. A lot of things you can do. All right. This is Handle on the Law. When it comes to you, no, I ain't got no patience. Something about you, girl, I just can't find. You like that cigarette, that shot of hundred proof. No matter how much I get, I'm always craving. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. You'll handle Saturday morning. Welcome. Back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hello, Bill. Welcome to Handle well, on the Law. I have a question, a renter's question. Yes. Um, at what point do you have the protection of they having to give you 30-day notice if you don't have a lease? Uh, at the point you move in. Okay. Yeah, from, from minute one, you have to have a 30-day notice before you can uh, bail out. And in some cases, I think it's 60-day notice. But uh, either way, it's uh, the moment you, you go in, you get the same protection as if you've been there for 200 years. All right? Tricky second part. If they furnish it, can they just lock you out immediately? No, they can't lock you out under any circumstances. Okay. Because that's, that's a uh, retaliatory – that's actually an eviction. 
Okay. That's a constructive eviction. I mean, it is an eviction. So you're okay. Great. All right? Yeah. It sounds like you're going to be renting from a really good person. There's no doubts there, are there? All right. Uh, good for you. Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle, you there? Yeah, Michelle, <laughs> we speak English on this show. Just wanted to let you know. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Hello, Michelle, are you there? Oh. Yes. Okay. I wanted to ask you. I bought. Um, I purchased a car from a private dealer, a pr- private person, and um, the car is in excellent condition. And I trusted the guy, and I knew that he was supposed to provide me with a smog check, but he didn't because we negotiated the price, and it didn't pass. Okay. Is there anything I can do about? Well, yeah. That? There's a few things. Have you figured out how much it's going to cost you to make it uh, smog passable? How much is that going to cost you? It's going to cost about 450 Okay. Uh, the deal you got from the car, for the car, if you paid the $450, is that a still a decent deal? Yeah. All right. Then here are your choices. You pay for it and sue him in small claims court, which is probably the best way to go, uh, okay. and or you uh, sue him for all of your money back. And okay. uh, just say he breached the contract because implied in the contract is a car that will pass the smog tests uh, or just suck it up. Probably the easiest way is to pay for it, which you're going to have to do anyway, unless you mm-hmm. want to return the car and get your money back, which I wouldn't do. Uh, because if the car is a good car and the worst it costs you is $400 uh, because a private owner getting money back is not an easy thing, even if you get a judgment. Uh, so the cleanest way I would do it is pay the four hundred and then sue in small claims court for the four hundred. That's it. Okay, sounds All right. good. All right, yeah, that's what I would do. I think that's the uh, easiest way out, even when you have a bunch of choices. Alexander, hello, Alexander. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Hi, uh, is this Bill? Yes, it is. After I say yes, Alexander, you're supposed to ask me a question, unless we have a problem with the phone which we just did. All right. Fair enough. I I think it's a cell phone. One of the beauties about cell phones is uh, there's nothing beautiful about cell phones. They drive me completely crazy. Uh, Hello, Steve. I'm trying to help my daughter uh, finalize her divorce. Uh, She started this thing two years ago, and um, she wanted to get the divorce, so she got an attorney. Now the ex-husband wants her to pay for the attorney okay and and uh, we don't really want to do it no kidding one. all right so what's your question well do uh, we're not obligated no that's just, correct you're not obligated unless the court orders her to pay for the attorney well and then he lost his job for two years and she's been giving him child support and alimony over a hundred thousand dollars in two years so we don't want to pay that extra money she's why not- are you paying that without a court order anyway well how much money how much money does she how much money does she make steve she about one hundred and fifty, sixty thousand. Okay. Well, here's the, how long were they married? Uh, they were married eighteen years. Oh, good God! He's and she's making all the money. Well, she, he got he lost his job and he was making close to the same. So okay, were, but he's no but he's no longer earning any money. Right. He okay. Lost his job, and she's now disabled, so she, you know, and she was so kind she's of so she's making no money. Right. Okay. Well, that's easy. You filed a divorce. Neither one is making money. And all of a sudden, I tell you, as uh, child support to the tune of $50,000 is going to stop instantly, and the court is going to look at who makes what. Child support 
Quiet. is going to be paid, but who the child the is it a single is it a single child? No, we have two children. Okay, so two kids are uh, who do they live with? Well, they split. They're split. Then there's probably going to be fifty fifty. There'll probably be no child support ordered, and there'll probably be no. Uh, divo- there'll probably be no spousal support ordered pending right. someone getting a job. Uh, but as far as him asking, uh, we want you to pay. You tell him to go pound sand. Tell it to a judge. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. Well, he's trying. And, you know, they've been married a long time. Yeah, that's, and- I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, if one was if you're if if she was still working, she'd be paying up the yin yang in well, spousal support. For a while. But it doesn't. But she doesn't have it now. Right. So, right. Well, let's go over it should be over in a week if we All get right, this yeah. done. Well, it's, what do you mean over in a week? Have you got in front of a judge yet? Oh, yeah. It's been there for two and, years. And what is the ju- what is the judge ordered? Well, I don't know what did the judge order. Then what, why are you calling me? Uh, well, I'm sorry? I can't well, hear. How, if I don't know what the judge ordered, why are you calling me? It's all well, what the it's all what the judge ordered, Steve. All of it. Not she wants to pay and do we have to pay. It's the, what the judge ordered. Okay, so can, then can the judge order the, him her to pay the child? Uh, yes, the yes, the judge can, but I'm but, but I'm asking what, and you can't tell me. So, what a waste of a phone call. That's like literally holding me and saying, "What does the contract say?" Well, I don't have the contract, but you talked about the contract. Well, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't answer your question. And you expect me to answer the question? Yeah, that's going to work in this lifetime. Hi, hello, John. Welcome. Bill? Yes. Hey, how you doing? Go ahead. Uh, okay, so um, there's a, I've been paying the car for about a year and a half, and I originally got it with a co-signer, and now she's saying she wants the car back. All right, well, whose name is in the, is the car in? Well, it's both of our names, but I, I called uh, an attorney, and uh, they asked me if it says, my name and then the letter and or or. I mean the word and or or. And what or. is it? It's or. Yeah, then that you don't have to give it to her. It's it's one or the other. She can ask for the car back. You say no. Okay. Yeah, so it, I, it's that simple. It's either you or her, and it's you. Yeah. Yeah, you're fine. Tell her to go pound okay. sand. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, that was easy. Then, of course, she can pick up the car, and then she can tell you to go pound sand. And the two of you have a uh, fist fight, which would be terrific. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. And welcome back to Handle on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, thank you, Bill. Yes, um, my question regards my son. He has been convicted of a felony, um, and he is now off probation, done all the things required by the court. But unfortunately, it's on his record, and he's trying to get it expunged. Yeah. Can he do it himself? Uh, um, I wouldn't. I mean, you can if you do the research. Uh, the, is- yeah. uh, the issue is, uh, is he eligible? Now, uh, the problem was for drug possession, well, I'm assuming with intent to sell, correct? Using. Oh, just getting- using. Okay. Yeah. Then you want to hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, because that's good news so far. Okay. If they could have filed it as a misdemeanor... 
then it makes it fairly easy to knock it down to a misdemeanor. And then, as a matter of fact, uh, California law now allows you to do that, where it's going to be regarded as a misdemeanor, and that's fairly easy to expunge. Yeah, but if they yes, if they can get it done to misdemeanor. Yeah, but, but it's uh, but if it's drug if it's drug use, that's not the end of the world. Uh, because that's the way we're going. We're heading in that direction where simple drug use uh, is not is not nearly uh, the crime that it was considered a few years ago. And especially, as I said, if, if they could have filed either way. Now, it could be that you can't file either way. For example, if there are enough drugs there and uh, he's popped for drug possession for the purpose of distribution where there's enough there where he's not going to argue three kilos of cocaine is personal use. That's kind of difficult to do. Uh, But I would at least talk to a criminal attorney, uh, buy buy an hour, and then uh, you can possibly do it yourself. I mean, it's either yes or no on that, although uh, it can be argued. Here's the problem he's also going to have is he's just finished with probation now. It's, yeah. it's not years later where he can claim I've been not only am I done with probation, I did everything the court has asked me to do. But this was five years ago. And look what my life is now after five years or three years or 10 years. Right. That's why you want to talk to a criminal attorney who may do just a much better job setting up uh, the uh, setting up uh, his circumstances, uh, setting up uh, the way he approaches uh, the bench to make it as positive for your son as possible it could be but then that's uh, going to be thousands of dollars yeah that's the point yeah, yeah no it, it's it's a lot and if you don't have the money and he doesn't have the money that becomes a problem then you have no choice but to do it yourself and it's on his record as a felony and yeah no i get it and that's not good what kind of drugs are we talking about oh i imagine it was a little bit of um what was it this time it was a little bit of meth this time oh yeah he had a problem before but he you're didn't. talking about a problem not being arrested before Yes, he's been arrested, but years ago. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, that's that's is... not helpful either. Except that you can argue the time uh, between yeah. the arrests. I, if you could possibly afford an attorney, I would go for it, Heidi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, there's no easy way out of that one for sure. Uh, hello, David. Uh, no. Yes, uh, this is John. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, John. What can I do for you? Oh, uh, so <clears throat> there's this girl. That uh, co-signed the car for me, and then um, I've been making the payments. She's never made one payment, and now she's saying she wants me to give her the okay. car back. Easy, easy peasy. Like, is the car in your name that she simply co-signed it, or is it in her name? Yeah. Well, it's in both of our names. Well, then you can say I'm an owner of the car. You know, I'm not giving it to you, and let her go to court. Yeah, she's saying she's going to call it and report it stolen. Yeah, fine, and you just show the cops that you're an owner. Look at the look at the registration. I own this car. How do you oh, steal okay. your own car? I know. Yeah, don't worry. You're going to be fine. Let her report it stolen all day long and just say, hey, uh, that is, incidentally, a false police report. Really? Yeah, let her know if she reports the car of which you are an owner and the cops yeah. stop you, you're going to file a complaint against her for a false police report, which it is if she files it, and her report against you for having stolen a car that you already own is not obviously any kind of a criminal act. So let her know. She's the one that's going to be in trouble. Yeah, and I've been paying the insurance. It doesn't matter. It does. None of that matters. None of that. No one cares. Okay. No one cares. Okay. It's just who owns it and whether it's stolen or not, and you're going to be fine. All right, Alexander, let's try this. Hello. Hi. Yes. 
So, yes, um, uh, a few months ago, I was involved in an accident. Uh, I rear-ended a young lady on the freeway on-ramp, under 10, 10 miles an hour, but it was my fault. Anyway, she got her insurance. I had my insurance. We filed, She filed her claim. Her claim is ongoing for medical. Okay. Her automobile's taken care of. She's suing me in small claims for medical expenses and pain and suffering while she's still being treated and her claim is still open. All right, just talk to you. Yeah, just talk to your. Just turn it over to your insurance company. Uh huh. Your insurance company handles all that. Just give it to them. Okay, but does she's suing me? In yeah, I know. Th- of course, she's suing you. Who else is she going to sue? You're the one that hit her. Correct. Yeah. So you are, in fact, the defendant. I mean, she's not. Correct. She's not suing me, and she's not <laughs> suing your insurance company because your insurance company didn't hit her. Right. The insurance defends you. So, of course, you're going to be the one that's going to be named. Turn it over to your insurance company and let them deal with it. Uh, okay. So I'm scheduled to appear soon. Do I file an extension? Uh, yo, no, no, no. You, you just turn it over to your insurance company. That's what you do right now. Yeah, I mean right now. Okay. All right? All right, yeah, okay. you don't wait. I mean, as soon as she sued you, you turn it over because if you don't show up, you're going to get a default, although you can uh, appeal it. And, you know, I don't know the way insurance companies work on this one, whether they immediately kick it up to superior court, uh, which they may because they're not allowed to appear on your behalf. It's only yourself. So I don't know how that works. And I'm sure that someone who does know how it works will, you know, email me and I'll promptly just ignore it as I do everything else. Richard. Hi, Richard. Richard. Yes, yes. Yes, you're on the air. Or, yes, you are. Hello. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, I have a question about my sister-in-law's father. Uh, he was killed in a drunk driving accident about a month ago. Um, she, I know that uh, the car was in her name, uh, insured under her, that he was driving. So I'm pretty sure that's covered by her insurance. But uh, she's an only child, and she's only 23 years old, and I was wondering about a wrongful death. Yeah, oh, no, she has a case. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. You uh, you want to go to a yo? Absolutely. You want to go to a personal injury attorney because that is a legitimate case for wrongful death. Sure. Okay. All right. So know. yeah, let Thank her know. You. you can go to handleonthelaw.com where we have tons of those attorneys, and this is one of those cases. We'll certainly talk to you because it sounds like a pretty good case. All right. This is handle on the law.